Hello and welcome to episode 130 of the Ram Nintendo Podcast. I'm Jason. And I'm Angel. And this episode of the show is called Change You Can Believe In because honestly the entirety of the show can be summed up in one word and that word is change. So we're not getting political, we're just, it. everything's changed. It seems 95% of the time for the better. Like, I mean, we're talking about the NX, which is changing how Nintendo does its handheld console situation, the way they've been doing it since the Game Boy. It's changing that for the first time if reports are to be believed. We're talking about major gameplay changes in Pokemon with Sun and Moon that were just announced. Um, talking about not-so-good changes that have been happening at Pokemon Go these past couple weeks. We're talking about changes with Professor Layton, gameplay-wise and protagonist-wise. We're talking about Metroid changing into a sports game with Blast Ball. We'll have impressions of that. And you were in Japan, which I guess is a change of scenery. I guess that is. So we'll be talking about, I guess, but I mean, you must have stories and anecdotes of gaming life in Japan. It's very different than here. It is very different. You would say it's a, it was a nice change of pace. The one thing not changing, however, since we keep saying the word change, is uh, you can find timestamps for all these topics at ramtown.com. I also ended up with a lot of change that I can't do anything with. Yeah, you should have exchanged it before you left. No, they don't accept um, pennies, dimes, or nickels. Oh. So, yeah. I have like 70 cents. Or 70 yen, I should say. That's like not it. a lot. It, it's a I mean, lot of coins. Are... It's a lot uh, of coins. Like, a ton of coins. So maybe that's change you can't believe in. Ha <laughs> ha. But everything else has changed we can believe in. But anyway, no, what I was saying is um, timestamps for all the topics we're talking about, you can find it at ramtown.com uh, under this blog post for this episode. But we should probably start, so, you know, jump around if there's a specific thing you want to hear, but we should probably start with the big one, which is the NX. So the secret of the NX's form factor has essentially been revealed. To preface everything we're about to discuss, mm-hmm. um, this well, isn't actual confirmation yet. But what was our, what was pretty much the confirmation that people, I guess, needed to go through with? The confirmation this? was the very reliable Eurogamer, which is an actual established European gaming site. It says their heard sources. Their name before? Huh? Oh, you have or yeah, haven't? I believe I have. Yeah, they're they're pretty. They they run Digital Foundry. Do the, they have a magazine? Not that I'm aware of. But they're they're like an IGN esque site over in Europe, and they said their sources are confirming everything we're about to discuss. And then separately, within a few days, IGN, Kotaku, the Wall Street Journal, and a UK trade publication for the game industry called MCV, all of them confirmed they've heard the exact same thing. So unless you don't believe the Wall Street Journal, two of the biggest gaming sites on the planet, and two major European reliable gaming sites, this seems like this is probably what the NX will be. Um, yeah, and I guess if the past have shown, like, I mean, if the past has shown, yeah, okay. yeah, um, yeah, I, I guess at one point when the 3DS was getting leaked and like, oh, 3D, blah blah blah, no glasses, and it's like, oh, no, I'm gonna wait for confirmation that's you confirmed. Then sure enough, it was exactly as yeah, or Project was. Cafe becoming the Wii U. Yeah, I mean, when there's smoke, there's fire, and the thing is, until they officially announce it, which is rumored to happen next month in September, um, this is basically the closer we're gonna get to the actual yeah. confirmation so well now at this point now i just want to know what it looks like because yeah. frankly the control stuff is what's getting me worried yeah so for those who don't know real quick just to sum it up i don't know how if you're listening to an entire podcast you don't know this but the nx is in fact gonna be a hybrid and like you said there is an interesting kind of funky control situation going on where it's gonna come as a screen with two controllers one attached to each side of the screen that can then be popped off and used separately from the screen so in theory, the cool thing is this means you can play multiplayer on the screen anywhere. Like it's like a 3DS that can just turn to a multiplayer device on the fly without the two screens, I guess. So that's kind of neat. But it also is a critical feature because the other half of the NX 
hook is that it can um, dock on a, a dock that connects to your TV and then moves the video from the little screen to your TV screen, presumably in full HD. And then these controllers you now use wirelessly from a few feet away on your couch. So that's kind of the basics of what the NX will be. The brain of the device, this is what I find kind of interesting, the brain of the device is not on the screen. The actual chips and everything will be in the controllers. Which sounds crazy, but when you realize that this may be more of a mobile-first device, it kind of makes sense, because those chips are tiny. You can, you know, if you put them in a phone, you can make a contr- put it in a controller. Like, it's not that hard. Which also means, in theory, this is getting real out in the weeds, but in theory you could potentially down the road make the system more powerful by releasing newer controllers and you just have the same dummy screen hmm. I mean just a thought like who knows if they actually oh, yeah. do that but it's kind of it's kind of cool. also maybe their way around the fact that um, like, you know you couldn't use well it's probably not the same thing but I guess how the Wii U couldn't really handle more than one gamepad at once is it's like by putting the chip in the controller mean that maybe the screen can handle more than one controller because every screen every yeah. controller has its own I suspect Pretty that's much exactly it. Basically, from what Eurogamer's kind of implying, it sounds like the screen... The screen's got a little bit of the brains. Like, I'm pretty sure the cartridge slot... Yes, they're going back to cartridges. will be in the screen, not on the controller. That's odd. But, um, yeah, the majority of the processing's in the controller. So, yeah, in theory, they could let you jerry-rig, like, three controllers together on one screen, even if it only comes with two yeah. or that sort of thing, and not hurt processing And I'm wondering if they're expecting... Um, and obviously, it's just speculation, but... I guess because of the portability, like, they're kind of expecting, like, oh, we expect that a lot of people are going to have their own. You and your friends are each going to have your own. Probably. And so when you go over to a friend's house, you're not really expected to have a control for everybody like we do. Like, we have, like, a full set of classic controller pros, um, Wii modes. Right. Like, yeah, you have, for, like, 26 controllers. Like, like something for everybody. But on the NX, maybe they're hoping that people will bring in their own NX and then you don't have to even split up the controllers or however people are, or however the rumors are saying that it goes. Yeah. Maybe we're just using their own NX. Yeah, it, it's interesting because it's like a total reversal of how you tr- typically view gaming. Like it's not about everyone gathering around one machine. It could almost be about everyone just everyone having, everyone having just, their own machine. Or not, just, not everyone having their own machine, but it could just be about like BYOD, like bring your own device. B- to BYOB? Yeah, well, D in this case, yeah. but... But yeah, like it's it's a kind of a it's almost how they treat portables. Like 3ds, Nintendo's not like, oh, if you're gonna play 3ds with friends, you supply all the 3ds's. It's a it's established mindset of you bring your 3ds and they link to one another. So I imagine since NX sounds like it's portable first, that means they would link together, like you're saying. Yes. Yeah, I mean, my only yeah, I guess just my only concern or where the root of it is, like I obviously want there to be some form of Smash Brothers on it, whether yeah. it be just like them just porting over whatever like Smash Wii U edition. is. I mean, yeah, like, like I don't mind if it's the exact same game. I just want to have a console I could keep playing it on and then just kind of move on from the other one because whatever, usually whatever the newest, usually the newest fact, form factor is the standard. Right. And I just want to get used to that standard. Like, if I could still use my classic controller pro, then awesome, I could just keep using that. But if I can't, I want to get used to this new controller and if yeah. that's the case, I want to make sure that it has all the necessary buttons and if this thing comes with a controller that could apparently split down the middle and still support two different people then i don't really see how it can do that quite frankly i don't even know how it would do a classic controller the thing's not gonna be backwards compatible I know, chips, that's totally yeah, different it, it, it's it literally, literally sounds like it can only chip. be like two emotes but with analogs instead of d-pads so you're gonna have two or d-pads something. and two buttons on the bottom I don't, I don't know i don't know like that's the thing we don't know the form factor so all this information we have about these controllers is kind of like we're shooting in the dark 
Yeah. Like, what we do know is what the... In- we don't even fully know, but what we kind of know is what it's going to be in terms of power and what that means for the system. We don't really know what its form factor is besides that it might have these detachable controllers. We do know it's going to be a hybrid that's portable first, home console second in terms of mindset. So because it's portable first, like I said, that means there's no discs. There are cartridges, which makes sense. Faster like, load times. And also, you know, a few a few episodes ago, we were talking about like how the Zelda Breath of the Wild... Um, in the copyright claim is like for cartridge and everyone's like wait what well here you go for cartridge it makes sense now they're recommending to developers up uh, that cartridges will be about 32 gigs at max which i believe is smaller than what a disc does but about the same as the largest 3ds game if not bigger so Oof. now when, when, when you're using yeah. 3ds as a comparison point yeah that's like and, and, no wait that can't be accurate i think 3ds must be smart because uh, Breath of the Wild has to run on this thing. And Breath of the Wild definitely can't fit on a 3DS cart if they couldn't fit all of Smash Bros. 3DS. So pretend I didn't say that. Maybe it does go bigger. Um, yeah. Yeah, I misread what your game was saying. But the the other thing we know is, along with cartridges, they'll have digital downloads. So even if there is a weird cartridge cap, they could do digital downloads that are bigger. Um, hmm, that's interesting. At one point, they were considering only doing digital downloads. Yeah, this might be, if it. I get this, this might be a console where I might go full digital, digital, play a full digital. Yeah, I mean, I imagine it's going to be baked in pretty heavily. They're doing a new operating system for NX. It's going to not be Android like was rumored a year ago, but it is going to be some sort of Nintendo built thing that I imagine will lean very heavily on the eShop. NOS? It's equivalent. NOS. NOS. <laughs> it's going to be running NOS. Um, but yeah, it's so that that's one aspect of the mobile first thing that is kind of apparent is there might be limitations on the physical media or at least it's not good you don't have to worry about scratching discs as you throw them around but the second uh, mobile first requirement is naturally the computing power itself which you kind of talked about like in theory you could expand it with more controllers but according to Eurogamer the system itself is not going to be running an AMD chip AMD is what Nintendo's used for GameCube Wii Wii U it's been a very they've been a very long time partner they used to have their little sticker on the GameCube and the Wii that little AMD sticker mm-hmm. now it's going to be Nvidia that gives the chip and uh, the rumor has floated around before that NVIDIA was going to do it. And there's talk like, oh, maybe it's an x86 architecture. Maybe it'll be comparable to Xbox One or PS4. Maybe it'll exceed those. Yeah, no, it's not going to be any of those things. In reality, if your gamer's accurate, it sounds like you're going to need to really gauge your expectations around what current mobile gaming graphics look like, which are still pretty good. Like, the fidelity's still pretty high. The processing power is still pretty high. We've come far. But uh, they gave the idea that it's going to, or they think, based on what they've heard, that's going to be using the Tegra X1 chip, which has actually been around for a few years. It's in Google's old Pixel C Android tablet. It's in NVIDIA's own uh, Shield Android TV, like, micro console. So there's already a console that hooks your TV that runs this thing. And um, their sub-team within uh, Eurogamer, Digital Foundry, who all they do is pick apart games and determine which version's, like, best in terms of processing power and that sort of thing. They took a look at this, and they did a whole write-up about this. And what it kind of translates to, and I'm just straight up barring Digital Foundry's examples here, is you can take a game, if you use the Tegra X1 exactly as it's packaged right now with Android built in everything, you could take a game from Xbox 360 or PS3, they use the example of Doom BFG Edition, and on those systems you have a 720p game that runs at 30 frames per second. On the NVIDIA Shield TV, it can run at 1080p and 60 frames per second. So this thing is more powerful than a ps3 it is more powerful than x uh xbox 360 but we're not talking like exceeding ps4 or an x86 architecture or anything crazy like that well as long as it's better than the wii u it's better than the wii well of course it is because we use about the same as a ps3 yeah 
I mean, I can hope. I mean, if the fact of the matter is, it's not going to, like I said earlier, if it can't run Breath of the Wild, it's not going to exist. Like, the Breath of the Wild is confirmed for it. So we already know so it's going to be at thought, least that yeah, quality. So I guess it's as good it, as the Wii. Yeah, and I mean, for a comparison, this is another thing that um, Digital Foundry said, is the Vita, which is however many years old now, was running a underclocked version of essentially the iPad 3 GPU. And that was however many years ago that the Vita came out, 2012 maybe? And those games looked pretty good for a portable thing. Like, no one really complained. And more a point, they had PS3 ports running on that underpowered tech four years ago. So now here we are four years later with more powerful tech. So yeah, we're probably looking at somewhere between PS3 and PS4. And that's excluding the fact that um, all these numbers I'm talking or all this stuff I'm talking about about what Tegra can do is based strictly on what it can do when it's tied to Android. If you take out Android and you put in Nintendo's OS or you just look at it as just like a pure raw power thing without like bogging down by Android APIs and whatnot, it could be more powerful. It could be faster. We We don't know. So... They're speculating, Digital Foundry, that maybe the chipset might actually become uh, not the, the Tegra X1, but the Tegra X2, which means it'd be even more powerful. The thing is, the X2 isn't out yet. So their theory is that, and the only reason I'm going to agree with this is because it makes sense for Nintendo's like, philosophy of the NX, which I'll get to in a sec, but their theory is the dev kits for the NX apparently have running fans on them. This X1 chip is in devices that don't have running fans currently, so why would you need running fans? You could argue it's a dev kit, it could overheat, it's not optimized. Or you could argue maybe they're putting the X2 chip in there and that thing's new and needs to be cooled. Who knows? Personally, personally, I think we're getting the X1. I don't think Nintendo's never... I don't think Nintendo's ever launched a new system using brand new chips that have never been tried any, or like tried and test... Proved, have never been proven, there we go, anywhere else. Yes, I mean, gotta play so, safe. Yeah, like especially... Especially since Nintendo wants to make this thing affordable. So they've said time and time again, the NX is going to be affordable. Like uh, Tatsumi Kimishima, their president, said in an investor briefing, they're not going to sell it at a loss. Iwata said the same thing back when he first talked about the NX, back when he was still alive. He Like, literally, he said the same thing. We're not selling it at a loss. It's going to be affordable. And now uh, MCV, that British game industry site that I mentioned earlier, they separately said that they have on good authority that it won't just be cheaper than current consoles, but it will be cheaper than what, quote, the vast majority are expecting. And I don't think adding an unreleased X2 chip is going to do that. So I'm pretty sure that X1 is what we're looking at, which means, again, somewhere between PS3 and PS4. Um, the flip well, side... Or, yeah, go ahead. I was like, well, I, I mean, can't complain. I mean, that sounds... Like, that just sounds fine. So I guess that's all I could really say. Yeah, I mean, the flip side of that is it can literally do less than a PS4 and Xbox One. So... The downside is we're not going to see a lot of third-party ports from those consoles. Uh, but is that really an issue? <laughs> like, now that I think about it, like, does anyone care? Like, if you look at it from Nintendo's perspective, um, they've tried twice now to directly compete with the other guys, and it never, it didn't work. They did it with GameCube, going head-to-head in specs, didn't work. They did it with the Wii well, U, didn't work. I mean, for the most part, it... It works out because, like, all right, not every game. I mean, I don't want every single third-party game that comes right. out, but like, there are like, I mean, just looking at the PS4 games that we do have, like, I have to get Ninja Turtles, Transformers, and the next Sonic game, the 3D one, isn't even coming to an X. Apparently, but it's as more powerful. Now. It's more powerful. Project Sonic 2017 is going to NX, which is weird. Yeah, that makes no sense. It makes no. It's timing. It's release timing. I think uh, Sonic. Mania? Is that what it's called? I'm drawing a blank. I think that's coming out um, prior to the NX launching. So well, I guess be... it could come out later. And it's a different dev team entirely. So, mm-hmm. um, But what I was going to say is, like, yeah, you don't want the identical games. You're right. But 
even if they tried to go for that market. It didn't work with GameCube. It didn't work with Wii U. The only time Nintendo's been successful in the past 15 years is when they put an underpowered thing out there that did not get those ports because it literally couldn't run them, and that was the Wii. That's true. Like when when the when PlayStation that, that, that is a good. I mean that 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 has always been one of like the best things going for the Wii. Because I remember yeah. um just like talking to some friends that um that I guess they were very like they were advocates for like the PS4. But whenever like the Wii would come up, like they would never really like compare it to the PS4 or the Xbox because they're like, well, it's just different. You can't really compare it. Like right. all the games are completely different, so it's not even like a case of which one's better than the other. It's just. A preference. At well, do that you point. do you remember when like back when 360 was out and we first came out and Peter Moore, who was then head of Microsoft's gaming division, was saying like, you know what, like Xbox 360 and Wii make a great pair. And then the term Wii 60 was born as someone that owned a 360 and a Wii. Like if Nintendo does that, if they are like, okay, we're Wii S4, Wii S4, or or NX NX4, well, whatever they end up yeah, calling uh, it, they think it's gonna have a really dumb name. I hope not. <laughs> I mean, knowing them, they're they gonna have one call more it, chance. Like, they're, knowing, they're, knowing them, they're gonna call it the Wii DS, and people are gonna be like, "What?" Oh but, God! <laughs> but uh, oh, man. I'm, I'm Wii DSU. Wii DSU. Wii DSU three. <laughs> be like, what? Wii DS three U. There we go. What do you think they should really call it? And should, should, kind of... should, should they just like go back to basic call it the like the, the, yeah, just like the Nintendo Entertainment System X? No, because they're releasing the classic edition of the NES three months earlier, and that's going to be confusing again. Nintendo um, X? Just, uh, they could call it Nintendo X. They could call, And that makes sense, because X is in cross, as in cross-play between home and away. Because uh-huh. one of the things your gamer was saying is they're trying... <laughs> the name was revealed the whole time. It was. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they did that. I mean, DS was a code name that became a real name. Uh, and that's it? No, there's more. <laughs> Hang on. 3DS was a code name that became a real name. <laughs> um... Project Cafe did not become a real name, neither did Revolution. But it could be X. It, like, it could be the Nintendo X, because it explains it well. And one of the things Eurogamer was saying was Nintendo is trying to make the marketing as direct and clear as possible. Like, part of the problem with the Wii U and even 3DS is the message was kind of, like, muddy. But if you're just like, hey, here's Nintendo X. It's X because you could do it here and here. Cross. Done. Boom. That's like, true. it's super simple. You it's, can't it's, not understand it. That's not like it's their first console since the Wii that isn't yeah. pretty much like a sequel or like a... well. Which it's, it's true, it doesn't have backwards compatibility because the chips are different. So yeah. that's actually accurate. Yeah. Yeah, because all the previous ones like were. I mean, they all talked. Yeah, the whole thing with just the name confusion in general. Wii, Wii U, 3DS, New 3DS, DS. Yeah. No, I think I think honestly, I think mm-hmm. we uh, Nintendo X is not a bad name. They, they've definitely been due for a change. Yeah. Yeah, and I think this could be that moment. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like you said a pun in there because you had a smirk like you did, but I'm not <laughs> picking up on what the pun was. That's fine. Was there a big no. do? We're trying no. to say Bidoof? No? I, don't know. I, just, I have Bidoof on my mind because um, he's the best Pokemon ever and he's always on my mind. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't even know, know where you got Bidoof from. I don't know. I don't know. But uh, what I was going to say is, yes, yeah, so I don't think, like, if the NX comes in as a secondary system for the core gamers and then, like, a more casual, friendly first system for the casuals, repeat the Wii success in theory. So the chipset makes sense to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, with that, if it's like a little side thing that doesn't cost much more than, let's say, a 3DS. Let's say MCV is being honest. That's going to really surprise people in price. So let's say it's 200 bucks, maybe 220 If Nintendo did that, and I know you have been slowly gravitating more towards like PS4 as like a game machine and that sort of thing, would you go be like, oh, yeah, of course, why not, and buy it? Like, Would you if, treat it like a portable in your head? And I guess I would because anyway? like at this point, well, I mean, while I still would like the 3DS to live on a little longer, like I've already been kind of on the... Like oh should they get a new 3ds? But wait. but then at this point if it's going to be this close in price to a 
regular 3D. I mean, to a 3DS XL, then yeah, I could see it being complimentary. I mean, to to be clear, we don't know if it will, but everyone keeps saying it's gonna be so cheap. So it's like, okay, I'm imagining that's if it's thing, portable, if, yeah. it, but, that's what would be cheap. Uh, because yeah, I think honestly, we're at the point now. Like so many portable gaming things now. Because I mean, like between yeah. the 3DS, I mean, the iPad is pretty much a portable gaming system. I mean, I play. It's attorney and a lot of Hearthstone on it. And I see kids with iPads all the time, like at the school or just like kids waiting in line. They usually always have iPads. At Comic-Con, I saw I so think, many kids with iPads instead of yeah. like 3DSs. And I think that's... Well, I don't think. The evidence points to that's who Nintendo's targeting with NX. They're not trying to go after... They're try, they keep saying... They have said multiple times they found a new Blue Ocean or they're going after the Blue Ocean again. Like Reggie said at E3, we've heard the term thrown around. We've heard Ubisoft come out and say, oh, Nintendo's going after the casuals again. They have a great new idea. The casuals are now those guys on iPads, like you're saying. The kids on iPads, the parents on iPads, they're on iPhones. They're not going to necessarily go buy a $400 PlayStation or $300 PlayStation. And I think what Nintendo's trying to do is be that middle step where it's like, if you want a little more... You can get this thing, kind of like you get 3DS. Hard to say if it will work, but they seem to be lining their ducks up in a row for it. Like, this is their new Blue Ocean. Um, they're basically trying to... The way I'm viewing it is, like, they're making this system that's, like, this little Nintendo machine that plays Nintendo things. And, like, they're trying to sidestep both the PS4 Xbox um, arms race and the strictly casual race with the thing that's, like... It's a step above a smartphone. It's a step below a console. It's like if you just want to have a little extra, that does Nintendo. And to really home, uh, make that like hearing that point home, Wall Street Journal is reporting that the NX is also going to be able to run all of Nintendo's mobile games. Hmm. So Mitomo, Animal Crossing, Fire Emblem, whatever else they release. So literally this thing will be like Nintendo's going to go like, hey, you like this on your iPhone? But wait, there's more. Check out this more fleshed out version for a couple hundred bucks that does all the games you already play plus like Zelda Breath of the Wild. Like, that seems to be what they're angling at. I don't know if that will work because we don't know enough about the system yet. Yeah, do we even have there been any supposed specs on the screen itself? No, no one knows anything. Because I feel like that's the other big deal. I, I mean, would the, imagine it's at least 720, maybe 1080. I mean, the Vita had that OLED screen that did, what, 720 or 1080? Uh, 540. Know? Really? Sub HD. Really? What came out? It was four years ago, five years ago. Yeah, but it, it looked really good. It did, right? So even if Nintendo did a 720 screen, they'd be fine. Or even these iPad Retina displays. Well, things, those are which are just yeah, yeah. But yeah. Sorry, I drank water right when I was starting a sentence. Uh, <laughs> what I was gonna say is, but yeah, it's we don't know. That's the problem with like all the speculation about oh, it could be cool as a secondary system, kind of like the Wii was for the core gamers, and oh, it could be a step up for mobile gamers, and oh, these chips are good for mobile, but maybe not for home, or yeah, yeah. yeah. That's that's all fine and dandy, but we don't know enough to actually say if this plan's going to work, and I don't think we're going to know enough until next month. Because um, as of now, we have no idea if there's any gameplay-driving hardware hooks. Kind of like how the N64 had the control stick for the first time, the Wii had motion control for the first time, the Wii U, for better or worse, tried the tablet thing, like the secondary tablet screen. We don't have any clue if there's any sort of special gimmick with how the NX will work, or if it's literally just like, hey, here's a slightly... You like smartphone games? Here's something a little more than that that plays everything Nintendo makes, which everyone loves the brand Nintendo. So that's kind of a wait and see, I think. But I guess what we can discuss is the idea of, like, what a portable first hybrid would mean for us as fans. Like, what does what do the fans get out of this? Because we don't know if this is going to succeed as Nintendo going a step further for themselves to actually, like, recover from the Wii U. But for fans, are we in for something good? I... I, I think it's a cool move. I think it's a great move. 
And what, what's your like initial take when you first heard hybrid and you first heard like it was portable and then you connect to a TV? What was your like gut reaction as a fan? That's like, oh, I've had the DS, the 3DS, the you know all the Game Boys, all the home consoles. Convenience. So you're you were for it. Yeah, I would. I mean, as stated earlier, like if in, if this thing can indeed um, unify both the the cycles of 3DS games and Wii U games like into just one thing, like just games back to back to back to back to back, then that'd be awesome. Yeah. Like, that's definitely always ideal. Because, I mean, yeah, like, those droughts sucked. <laughs> it's true. It's true. And the droughts are, like, really... Yeah, the droughts are really bad. Like, I would rather have a slightly underpowered console hybrid thing that has, you know, maybe a base station put in the TV than have no games for either system for a year. Oh, man, imagine we just get a Smash 3DS HD. Oh, that would be... <laughs> that would be Nintendo playing salt in the wound. Um, <laughs> At least we'd get to see those stages in HD, but... That's true, but still. But yeah, it, it's interesting <laughs> because... Um, Super Smash Bros. 4 3DS, 4NX, HD. Oh, that's a great name. That's what they're calling the system, <laughs> by the way. The 3DS, 4NX, HD, <laughs> hybrid... Yeah. No, but it's... Um, it's funny because I feel like we've gotten so used to game drives, so just this concept of not having one is so nice. I mean, we had them with the 3DS, we had them with the Wii U, we had them at the end of the Wii, I feel like we had them fairly often with the GameCube like as far as I can remember since I was a kid there's been these game droughts and this could legitimately be the first time that doesn't happen because if you have one console everything's pulled together like you were saying so that that could actually be quite nice um it's funny because it sounds like it's already happening like our dreams are coming true MCV put out a separate report a few days after Eurogamer that discussed some of the games um Nintendo's planned for NX and in the first six months of the system being on the market Nintendo's aiming to have a Pokemon, a Mario, and of course Zelda Breath of the Wild, all within th- six months. Sun and Moon HD. That I don't know, like because they say Game Freak's making it, so it's not going to probably be a spinoff. So yeah, it could be I, Sun or Moon HD, I but what? But it's so close HD. to the 3DS version. It's literally three months apart. That seems. Oh, well, I mean, you have to be able to sell that on the 3DS too. That is yeah, where the market is. It's coming true. out after, so I guess it's for those people that didn't. I mean. Aren't, like, most of the sales done in the beginning? For a new system? Well, I mean, no, or, or for, well, no, no for, for the game. game. Yeah, I they're, mean, like, they're usually the, right front-loaded. I mean, by the time March rolls around, wouldn't most people that... All the people that already wanted Pokemon Sun and Moon would have already technically have it, and anyone that doesn't might be willing to shell out 10 bucks more for that yeah. same game if it's going to be but on the NX. To, to counter-argue that, they're launching Zelda simultaneously on both systems, so then people that don't want to upgrade will buy it for what they currently have and then people are like sure i'll get the new system or then inducted into that ecosystem with the game that they're playing but buy for the other system like if nintendo doesn't announce let's say sun or moon hd in september when they reveal the nx and then it comes out in november and people don't know there's an nx version they buy the 3ds version how many potentially lost nx customers are there who now have the uh, 3ds true. version are just like well i'm not buying it twice well i mean if they're call of duty it then i guess i'll just have whatever next year yeah because yeah. I would still, that'd be just about six months, yeah. I mean, it comes out in March. Six months would be September. So with a little fit, with a little uh, wiggle room, they could put out in October like they did X and Y, I mean, and it would be close yeah, enough. Yeah, I mean, they had, yeah, Oris came out last October, right? Or yeah. November? Yeah, or it was so. November, but X and Y was October the year before. Yeah, so. So yeah, they could do an October. Yeah, they literally can, yeah. Sort of, sort of make the cutoff of six months, but. But yeah, so Nintendo has three of their literally biggest franchises all kind of NX within six months, which they haven't really done in the past. So that's cool that they're doing it. It's going to be a Mario Kart, not a Zelda, or just a Mario yeah. game. Yeah, they just said a Mario game. They yeah. didn't say, like, an actual platformer. So it could be, like, it Mario be... Maker HD, yeah, or, well, or... it is HD, Mario Maker 
to go or something. Like, who knows? But Or Zelda crossbow training to cross, well, no, we know crossbow it's, it's, harder. As much as I would love for that. <laughs> I know, I mean, <laughs> it's Breath of the great. Wild. Yeah, yeah, it's Breath of the Wild. But um, that same that same source told MCB that it's not just Nintendo making games too, though. They also riled off some third parties, which is reassuring. Oh, puzzle League. Uh, what? Could be Puzzle League. Oh, no, you said Game Freak's making it. Did Game Freak make Puzzle League? Pokemon Puzzle League? No, that's... I don't know who made Intelligent Systems? Intelligent Systems. Hmm. Makers of Paper Mario. Huh? And I don't... Yeah, I mean, they just finished a Fire Island. They could be doing a Puzzle League, but I hope that's not what they mean by AAA for six months launch style. I love Puzzle League. Puzzle Challenge, actually, on Game Boy Color was the best, but still. But um, I was going to say that MCV also confirmed some third parties, so, um, or their source supposedly, you know, reportedly confirmed. So Sega is 100% on board, which we already knew because of Project Sonic 2017. Square Enix is on board, which we kind of knew because remember when they accidentally confirmed and they immediately denied that Dragon Quest Eleven was coming to NX? Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, that was a given. Ubisoft, we already know. I mean, they're probably not getting Final Fantasy VII. Oh, the remake? The PS4 remake? Yeah. They'd have to do something. The the one that people were expecting because, like, oh, Clouds and Smash Brothers. Yeah, I don't know how that would work. The timely announcements were kind of there, but then now if it's not going to be as powerful and if they're maybe using the console to their fullest potential, I don't think. And see, that's that's where we were saying before that it it is a hindrance to some extent to have the chips be weaker. But um, Ubisoft's on board with Just Dance. And their European had recently teased that they have some surprise announcements as well coming down the pipe. So we know those three. And then they also, this uh, source also confirmed that Activision and Warner Brothers are making games, which doesn't really surprise me. I mean, it's going to be Skylanders, it's going to be Lego, yeah. maybe the next I don't want to say that, like, disappointedly. I mean, that's well, good just, that they're there. Yeah, just, it's just uh... par for the course. But there's been talk about other developers separate from MCV. There's been talk about other developers also bringing games to NX. Um, Two Tribes, for example. The Tori people? Huh? Yes, tool? yes. They're making this new side-scrolling shooter game of sorts called Rive. It's supposed to be coming to Wii U. It's scheduled to come to Wii U, but it got delayed for Wii U. And now they're publicly saying in interviews with like Nintendo Life and the like that they may push it to NX because one, the NX has extra processing power, and Rive is now seeing what the Wii U can output at 60 frames per second. And two, I mean, the NX could end up being the bigger platform overall, so it might be a better business opportunity to put it there. Because even if it's not the bigger platform, you're going to sell more when it's a launch title on NX than when it's a end-of-life title on Wii U. Mm. No one pays attention to the eShop anymore, unfortunately. So, Or, well, definitely not by then. So there's one game we may see, in addition to all those other ones, is um, Rive. But to be honest, while the game droughts sound good as a thing that helps us as fans, I think it's more important for Nintendo's bottom line than anything else. I know we're talking about, like, oh, what would we want as fans, but it is worth noting, man, this game drought this year that they're having really hurt Nintendo. Like, check out as I do a little stealth transition into Jason Sales Corner for a minute here. But um, seriously, they put out their financials for April 1st to June 30th. And let me just start by saying we know they don't have very many games. There's Star Fox Zero and Guard. There's Kirby Planet Robobot. And at the very tail end of that period, we got the U.S. release of uh, Tokyo Mirage Sessions, which supposedly, according to leaked MPD numbers, only sold 50,000 copies, which in a week isn't bad for such a niche title, but isn't moving the needle for Nintendo's profits. And none of those games really moved the needle for Nintendo's profits. They didn't have a single game, new or old, that over that entire three-month period managed to pass a million units. Everything was under a million which is not good, and that caused a ripple effect across all of Nintendo's numbers. And all of this stems back, or goes back to this idea of game droughts. So the NX would fix it. But to give you an idea of just how bad we're talking, um, according to their quarterly financials, the Wii U saw sales drop 53% in hardware, hardware sales, dropped that much year over year. 
They sold 220,000 Wii U's worldwide over three months. That is... I'm pretty sure the PS4 sold more than that in a month in the U.S. So that's that's pretty bad. Then you got 3DS, which was a little more reasonable. It only dipped 7%, but it didn't even sell a million units worldwide in three months. It came just shy of 940,000. Again, you would think it would do better. Robobot couldn't swing it up, I guess. And uh, here's our numbers get real crazy. Amiibo sales are down 60%, 6 year over year. They went from 4 million to 1.7 million. I think it's actually 4.2 million. But the reason they dropped, and these are Nintendo's own words, like Because verbatim, they made too many now? No, no, no. This is literally, and it goes back to the game drought, verbatim from Nintendo, a lack of new titles that are compatible with Amiibo. Huh. You mean if you don't release games for your things, people won't buy your things? Funny how they like actually finally realize that. But yeah, so Amiibo's down. And even for the first time, I think ever, possibly, digital download sales are down this past quarter versus a quarter a year ago. Uh, Nintendo says it's primarily due to a lack of no DLC for existing titles, but also, if you aren't putting out new titles, who's giving you money on the eShop for new titles? No one, there's no new titles to buy. Why Why would people put money in the eShop? They, you know, there's little things like Fox I mean, if they want to make more money from DLC, they could they always make game. another Mario Kart pack mm-hmm. or Smash Brothers character. It's not like people won't buy those. I mean, at this point, I feel like at this point, we, it's pretty clear that Nintendo's basically writing off 2015 as a, or Wait, we're in 2016. Huh? Writing off 2016 as a way to just have that much more for NX next year and really launch in a strong way that gives it a good, That's true. like, solid footing. That stuff could have been in the works for all we know. Yeah. But but nonetheless, like if you don't put out games and you don't put out DLC, of course your digital downloads will go down. And the fact that's the first time ever really just emphasizes, yeah, this drought. This is why you can't have game droughts. Not just because fans are unhappy, because then your investors are unhappy. Like in all, net sales for Nintendo's past quarter were down thirty one percent. They had an operating loss of five point one billion yen. All the costs again. Now they claim foreign exchange rates had a lot to do with this, but also you could probably overturn some of that or turn some of that tide if you just had games that sell or put out more games. This is the first May in like three years that didn't have a game released in it. They had one in April, they had one in June, nothing in May. So, Hmm. yeah. So, if all these reports about the NX that we've been talking about turn out to be true, the situation I just described that Nintendo literally just went through for the past three months could be a thing of the past, which is kind of cool. Like having a single system, a single hybrid could fix that. Which is neat. And uh, not just for us, but for Nintendo as a company and their investors. And, I mean, I've seen some people online argue that, like, oh, but you can't put a mobile gaming system on a TV. Like, no one's... You know, who's going to play Flappy Bird on a TV? Who's going to play Angry Birds on a TV? Well, first of all, Angry Birds Trilogy actually sold over a million copies, so someone is. But, um, mm-hmm. but yeah, like, who's going to play that sort of game on a TV? I'm not going to play Tumble Run on a TV, but what Nintendo's been able to prove over the last few years is with the 3DS's ports of Donkey Kong Country Returns and Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, that it goes the other way? It, yeah, if people can play... If people are comfortable playing console-quality games on a handheld, it's not that crazy to go, well, here's a handheld of console-quality games like Breath of the Wild, which is a thing that's happening, that you can play on your TV. No one's saying it's going to be, like, only mobile games. I'm sure there will be, like, a Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix style, like, pick-up-and-play, more logical-on-the-go sort of game. But, yeah. I mean, you like Fever, and that's a Wii game, and that's on a TV. Like, there's no... The, the, the lines that game blurring. never made sense for me as a, as a, yeah, as a Wii but game, you, but, but it like was there. And well, you played it. Well, I mean, I had no choice. True. I mean, what am I going to do, not play it? True. I was blackmailed. <laughs> you got blackmailed. <laughs> but, no, but my point is, like, it's not like the... It didn't hinder the experience. And in, 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 in this case, you could just pop it back off the TV and play it on your portable. Well, I mean, now... Mega, I mean, Fever is essentially on Mega Mix. They yeah. practically ported every game onto it. That's but. true. That's true. 
but yeah, so it works Fair both enough. ways, I guess. Is yeah, yeah, it's the easiest way to say it. So I I'd mean, say people that people were more than happy. To, well, actually, more than happy, but people were overall happy to play Smash Bros. on the 3DS, right? Although the Wii U one now is like the the oh, yeah. one, yeah. But yeah, like this this crosstalk thing. Like I'd say that the fact that NX is portable first actually is very smart compared to like going the other way. Because I mean, you people are happy to play pick up and go games on the handheld and me experiences on console, but they're also happy to play me experiences on media experiences on handheld. So what we had with the Wii U was this cool idea of off TV play, but it was limited by tech. So you did have to like take the meaty stuff put on the handheld. But it was limited by the fact that the handheld could only be within like thirty feet of the TV. Like tech, the tech just wasn't there. So now Nintendo's are like, well, the tech's now there. Why don't we flip it? We'll put the meaty stuff on the handheld, and you can put it on TV if you want, or just play the on the go stuff on the go. So it's a handheld. fully realized Game Boy Player. It's a fully yes. It's Nintendo. It's the Game Boy Player. It's the Wii U. It's Nintendo. As I've said many a time, everything just not Nintendo has pretty much it. tried and yeah. over the years. It's the idea of potentially. It's the idea of a link cable. Potential, like the whole thing where you catch something on TV and, and your screen that do different things. There's nothing in the rumor that says when you dock the screen, it doesn't show something while there's something else on TV. No one's ever said that's not going to happen. Mm. So it could. Like, this is the full realization of what off TV play should have been. That's cool. I mean, like, even though it's still all speculation, if any of this is true, it does kind of sound like this is the thing that um, Nintendo has sort of been like checklisting off of like everything they've learned from all the other consoles. Like, all right. Like, this didn't work, this didn't work. Yeah. And this is like whittling down to the final. Yeah, and the Wii U definitely sounded like the last piece of thing that they tried out that they're still somewhat trying in this thing, but mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. just better. Yeah, I think, we're, I think we're basically at the point where Nintendo actually learned from their past, which is something they kind of didn't do for a while. Like, they learned, hopefully. here's what worked with the Wii. Yeah, hopefully. Here's what worked with the Wii. I mean, Wii. if this here's doesn't work, didn't work, what are they going to do? Go third party. I don't know. <laughs> Make Pokemon Go their entire revenue stream. I don't know, but... um. Yeah, I mean, it does all sound good on paper, but you're right. We don't actually know what yep. will happen because we don't know the whole NX story. So, I mean, you could argue, if you want to play Devil's Advocate for a split second here, you could argue, well, now they're selling one piece of hardware instead of two. Wouldn't they end up hurting sales on some level because their rabid fans aren't double dipping anymore? No, mm-hmm. no, like you and me aren't going to buy two NXs while we would buy a 3DS and a Wii U. But then you could also counter argue that, like, yeah, but Nintendo has a broader IP. Uh, expansion plan now and mobile gaming portfolios that like there's new revenue streams to make up for that there's universal studios so though you do need two systems like there's this whole back and mm. forth the point is there's a lot up in the air right now we're not going to know until confirmed nx details come out which again is probably next month so regardless of what happens all i know is i'm excited for this thing this thing sounds cool this sounds like the best of everything nintendo's ever done mushed into one thing hopefully with controllers that makes sense and yeah, it's a huge moment for Nintendo. It's fun to like just. Is this going to be another midnight launch for you, or are you going to just yeah. walk up to Best Buy and pick it no, up the next midnight, day? Midnight, midnight, always midnight. What I would really like is if Nintendo did stuff at City Walk here in LA again at Universal Studios. They did That's a true. Wii launch, they make d- more DS of a hoopla launch. out of it. Yeah, those were fun. They had fireworks, or they had pyro, not fireworks. They had pyrotechnics though. Huh. Yeah, I um, I was interviewed by Maxim Radio at the uh, at the <laughs> Wii launch. I think it's still on YouTube somewhere. I should go try and find it. It's pretty. It's pretty awkward. Pretty awkward. But anyway, yeah, so that's kind of our next. But, but, and um, I don't know if you had any other thoughts on it. I think we kind of run, no, ran the... Covered everything. Right on, but yeah. So before our next actually comes out, though, we, of course, have Pokemon to play. And uh, in what I can only assume is the Pokemon company catering specifically to our bi-weekly podcast schedule. There is now new Pokemon Sun and, new, Sun and Moon news basically coming out 
on its own concurrent bi-weekly schedule. So we got stuff, um, literally in between every episode we're getting new stuff, and I think that means that now for the third episode in a row we have stuff about Sunday Moon to talk about. And I think what that also means is for the third episode in a row I'm going to say these words... It really feels like Sun and Moon is mixing up the Pokemon formula for the first time in a very long time. I feel like I said that about trivial things at the start. Then I started saying a bit more seriously about battles. And now I'm like fully, like they literally changed everything. (laughs) What are you going to say? I don't know. I I thought you were going to talk about um, what you were thinking about Pokemon design. First you were saying that like, oh, it looks like they're going for the best. And then you were like, and then the next batch came out. And they're like, oh, I guess not. And then now this batch came out, and I don't think you've really commented. I already on have thoughts. On, I'm more interested in the fact that they redesigned the old ones. But we'll get to that. I think the bigger thing we need to talk about first is like, they're really changing things. Like the game structure is totally different now. With well, not totally. That's a exact slight exaggeration. But I'm, the, I'm, the, you the, might need to clarify it for me because like when I was watching the trailer and did reading some of it, I couldn't honestly. I, I guess because it was so different, I wasn't sure if this was a side thing or is this actually replacing gyms or. Oh, it's replacing gyms. Well, they didn't outright say, but there's no way they can do gyms and this. So here's how it works. There's now, you basically, um, it doesn't look like there are gyms, gym leaders, or even like the idea of traveling from town to town on numbered routes. Instead, you're exploring four different islands of Alola. Uh, You're completing what they're calling tasks. You're battling against something called... Go gather berries. Sadly, that's what I think it is. You're, uh, You're battling something called a totem Pokemon, and then you take on the kahuna of each island, which is essentially the equivalent of a gym leader. So... How it works is you go island by island. Uh, each island's got a set of challenges, or I think they call them trials. Trials, and they range from in the press release is what they said, battling Pokemon to finding items to being quizzed about your Pokemon knowledge, which is like ooh, that doesn't necessarily sound appealing. But the trials are uh, you're guided. There are many of them. You're guided by this guy who's called the captain of each island. So the captain of the trials will walk you through the different ones and tell you what to do next. And it's kind of like it almost sounds like a bunch of side quests. So maybe there are still gems. They aren't outright saying there aren't gems, but they aren't saying there are gems either. Mm. So they're being weird about it. But so let's just assume this is the main plot device, um, progress flow, whatever. So you have these captains. They each have different specialties, like water types or electric types, and they'll assist you as you go. And presume, presumably, the trials will tie into the types that the captain specializes in. I would imagine. And then at the end of each individual trial, you go up against something called a totem Pokemon which is basically this bigger version of a regular wild Pokemon. But this Pokemon has an SOS ability and can call in backup from other wild Pokemon from the island. So you can be doing a one-on-one battle against like a ginormous, uh, I don't know, give me one of the new Pokemon, Yongoose. And, um, it also starts the battle with um, an increased stat. Like it showed yes. that the that Mongoose evolution, I forgot its name. Its name is, I have it written down, uh the one that looks like Donald Trump even more than his predecessor Gumshoes Gumshoes oh like Dick Gumshoes from yeah, Ace Attorney yeah because he looks like a detective um, um, no yeah he like, he started with um, sharply raised attack yeah so but, yeah they're they're souped up and they're physically larger and they can call him back up so you could be doing like a one on one battle and it becomes like a three on one battle and you're like what but so it's like an extra challenge to fight them I, I guess um, yeah so that happens and then once you beat all the totem Pokemon complete all the challenges you get the opportunity to battle the island's Kahuna which is kind of like the gym leader. Beat him and you go to the next island. Mm. I, again, they're not saying if this is fully replacing gyms, do but you it, get doesn't a... this sound like it's replacing gyms? Like, what else would this... Like, there's no towns. There's just four islands. They haven't named a single city. Mm. I mean, there, there's a city in the first island, so there would be stuff, but it sounds like you, like, almost have that as a home base and you go to these other three islands or something and you progress. 
you go island to island apparently and whether or not this is a full replacement i do like the game freak is finally trying new things like we have talked on the show many times about pokemon burnout yeah, and mean, this it, is definitely different it may not it may not necessarily be a better change in the end i mean yeah. we don't know we have to play it but right. i don't know it's at least nice that it's different the, the the one cause of concern for me is that like they're being so cryptic and i don't know why like they say, like there'll be trials, but what are those trials? Like <laughs> mundane stuff. Yeah, is it like mundane really fetch boring. quests, or is it like something actually kind of cool? I mean, one, one of the examples they show was literally a fetch quest, and I know. it just seems like a. Because because the thing that's interesting about, um, Pokemon up to this point is its formula was very. It is a very set formula in that it goes: you go to a town, you battle the gym leader, you go to the next town, you battle a gym leader, you go to the next town, you battle a gym leader, and in between those towns, all you do is walk, see wild Pokemon, fight random trainers grind up your stats well, do it again and then they kind of overlaid it with like team rocket yeah, stuff there, there was always a point like in those stories like every time where the you couldn't progress to the next gym because like oh row of Psyducks is like blocking the road because they're sick oh I need to get this medicine oh the medicine yeah. is held up in this building owned by the organization right. or something so you have to battle out all those and people. then they do those like almost like side quests but it sounds like what well, I was going to say so that was the formula it sounds like all they're doing is taking the overlay from the old game where it's like here's the formula here's how we mix here's how we like vary it and they're making the variance into the main game so taking more out the underlying about it, I guess. thing yeah so it's 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 like they just sort of sliced the top off and made it into its own game which again who knows i mean if it's unique trials and if they get real creative this feels like it could be the game that basically channels the orange island season of the pokemon cartoon do you think maybe they'll announce cool. like, like, like that was no cool evil season. organization that will be like an actual announcement well, I mean, why would they? Try? I no. can see that. No, I was gonna say. I, I, I mean, they could find. There, there's, I mean, your source of evil doesn't have to be an evil organization. Right. They, I would be okay with they that. They could get more creative with it. Maybe it could be, I don't know, uh, that bear that no beware. beware. Yeah, there could be like a giant beware at the top of the mountain that just totem Pokemon. That decides that he hates humans and he wants to like kill them or yeah. something. I was just saying, like, I can't see... <laughs> and he gets an army and it's up to you to stop them. Oh. I can't see how they'd spin an or- evil organization... Kind of yeah, well, I was just saying, I can't see how they would spin an evil organization to be like, we want to take this beautiful tropical paradise because we want to make it our resort. Like, that's the only way it would work and that just feels so like, ugh. Like, it's not like, like the Within, other one... Or there's like, some doomsday with the volcano. Yeah, or, or something like that. And uh, Or maybe, maybe they do some sort of weird climate change commentary and like, you have to save the climate somehow. I don't, I don't know, but it does seem like... Well, it always ties with the legendaries. And, yeah, yeah, and it does... I mean, night it, and day, maybe they want to, I don't know, block the sun. Right. Or block the moon, whichever version you're playing. Yeah, but it's... What was I going to say? It's interesting that I totally lost my train of thought. What was I going to say? That it's oh, interesting. Well. No, I was saying it's... Yeah, it, 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 I was going to say it's cool, not interesting, that they're trying new things, but... I just wish I know I kind of said this before but I'm hammering it home at this point I wish they would just be more transparent about what they mean for example we may see the end of HMs as we know them now they're introducing a new thing called Pokey Rides this is the other big gameplay change so in your quest to go do these trials you're going to be coming across parts of Island Sea that are out of reach either by land, water, or sea and then in the past as we know you would assign an HM to your Pokemon and you can learn Surf and get around the water you can learn Cut and cut down a tree or you can learn Fly and jump to places faster now they have these poker ride mecha- this Pokemon ride mechanic in Sun and Moon where basically you call in a Pokemon. He's not part of your team. He's like a complimentary Pokemon. Like a lift. He's like a lift. Yeah, you're calling in an Uber of a Pokemon. And he shows up and he'll take you by land, air, or sea to where you need to go. And if this is replacing HMs, that's a huge, 
huge change because you used to always have to have one of your six Pokemon know certain HMs. Like you had to either have like an HM, a Pokemon that's literally there yeah, just for HMs. HM slave. Yeah, HM slave. Or you had to like work around, you had to give up potentially awesome, powerful moves for Pokemon in your party just because you know, oh, well, I do need this one guy that has yeah, the only viable cut. HM move was like Surf. Right. And they've definitely gone... I mean, over the years, like they've gone from like, oh, HMs are the only move that you can use forever because you need them to progress the game, and yeah. TMs go after one use. But the more recent games let you use all moves an infinite number of times. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they've definitely been trying to streamline the move side of it a and lot. And now it seems like they're full on plucking out HMs, yeah. which again, they're not saying that's the case. They're just saying, look, you can ride Pokemon now, kind of like you could in X and Y, but more blown up into its own thing. I mean, it could just be. It's... They might still just they might still have HMs and they might still work just the same and these Pokemon writings might just be the equivalent of um Soaring and Auras where See, it's a like fast traveling for places you've already been to. Like, but they're already saying these guys get you places you haven't been. Oh. The poker rides are for inaccessible parts. Hmm. So yeah, I know this is when this all happened when you were in Japan, so yeah. Um but which I know might make it Yeah. Uh, might be missing parts but yeah that's known and then reddit did a whole list of what they showed in the trailer and like almost all the go-to hms are like basically covered by rides you got fly you got cut you got um strength. surf you got what strength destroy rock uh, i guess you don't have strength but cut yeah you have cut they just go around the tree or they just ride through the trees instead oh. um yeah so it's it really kind of feels like it I don't know how drastically that changes. Ba- I mean, I, we already said like it means you have more move opportunities, but as someone that plays Pokemon for the battling aspects, well, I assume well, once you get to level 100, you just stop caring about the HMs and you just Oh, that's it. except for Surf. Right. So is this? it seems like it's drastic on the surface, but is it actually going to change that much in a competitive sense? I would guess no. No, because it never really affected it to begin right. with. Right. That Yeah, that's what yeah. I was kind of angling at. Um, yeah, it doesn't really so, change anything. It's really just a get from point A to the credits rolling kind of change does it right. really affect competitive battling with so this is almost more of a surface level yeah. thing kind, kind of like more for the on fatigued how, people right right it's kind of like how um, the new trial system in theory might just be a surface level change of how they did the side quest before so we have all these changes that because Pokemon is being big we don't know if they're actually monumental or just or... or just kind of like little nips and tucks but they're, they're the biggest changes we've seen in the mainline Pokemon series yet. And while we're talking about battling, I should probably mention the third change. It's the introduction of something new called Z-Moves. And these yeah, are these... that definitely seems like the biggest Yes, but the, the, the stipulations to make it so you can do a Z-Move are so... <laughs> there's so many... Okay, so for those who don't know, they're these super powerful moves. Um, you get to use them once per battle. They're determined by what type of Pokemon... Like, they're, they're one move per type. So you could have a Pikachu and a Jolteon, they'll do the exact same electric Z-Move. Or you could have a Tangela and an Oddish, and they'll do the exact same grass Z-Move. But in order to do any of these Z-Moves, you as a trainer must have the Z-Ring item on with the correct type Z-Crystal. So you need an electric Z-Crystal for an electric move. Then you need a separate Z-Crystal that you give to your Pokemon who must be holding it. And only when he or she does the corresponding type move can you then trigger once per battle the Z type if they're holding a crystal and you're holding a crystal and you have the ring and they have the move and so there's like four things in your lineup. Now obviously for competitive play people will just make that happen. They'll just line yeah, them up. Yeah, but that does affect competitive play a Yes, ton. I was gonna ask you about that. Because like first of all, like just giving up an item slot is already a big deal. Because yeah. some Pokemon like are usually only viable with that 
specific held item. Right. Like a lot of Pokemon that deal a ton of damage but die in one hit usually have a Focus Scarf because that will have them survive one hit no matter what. Right. But, yeah, I guess, I guess it just depends on how easy the Z-moves are to come out and if they're replacing Mega Evolutions because, I mean, are they going to have you help, are the kids going to be wearing a Mega Bracelet and the Mega, the Z-Shard Bracelet? I, I, I have to imagine these are replacing I mean, Mega But, but then again, they have so many Megas. Like, Mega seems like such a big concept of Pokemon that I... I can only see them wanting to add more megas, but yeah, I'm gonna sound cynical saying this. Honestly, regards, it is gonna change balancing. Because the battle, I mean, because the move sounds honestly like a step down. Like it, megas added a feel. Megas, I feel, yeah, added way more depth than what the move supposedly are gonna add on the surface. Because it's just one move. Like the Z, I mean, you can only mega evolve one Pokemon per battle. Yeah, but and then he stayed but, mega. Yeah, evolved. but then he stays mega, and the type changes and. And this is a one, and, and it affects yeah. how you approach that Pokemon. This is just like a one and done move that you're presumably going to use to hopefully kill one Pokemon. Yeah, I mean that's almost no different than having a strategy to use Sword Dance a few times and then just like blast through everything. I mean honestly, like a lot of Pokemon like have setups that if you protect them and power them up right, you could just like sweep an entire team. They which. Honestly, now, the more I think about it, it almost feels like it makes Z-moves irrelevant. Because if you can only use it once, then it's like, oh, well, now that Pokemon is useless, and now he yeah. doesn't have the item. And... It, th- I was starting to say, this is mm. going to sound I cynical. Might, I might, ne- yeah, I don't know. This, this is going to sound cynical, but I think Z-moves are strictly a merchandising thing. Hear yeah. me out. And if they do replace Mega, then that sucks even more, because yeah. there might not be a reason to use Z-moves, and if they replace Mega, then we lost literally a part of Pokemon that Oh, and I got really into. It's part of this weird streamlining that seems to be happening with everything, everything else. Assuming, for example, they cut HMs. Assuming gyms are a thing of the past. Know, Everything's and, very like and I've been whittled to, down. And I've been wanting to, even though I wouldn't use Mega Dragonite, I've been curious to see what they would call his stone because it's all the stones have always been Weavileite, Charizardite. So right. would it be Dragonite or just Dragonite? That's what I have. Oh, <laughs> Dragon Dashite. <laughs> but. uh... But no, I was going to say that I, I started to say this a couple times. This is going to sound really cynical, but I really do think this is them doing a merchandising move. I think they see Yokai Watch in Japan and they see that physical watch and they're like, huh, we could do that. And the reason I say that is because Tommy, the toy maker, is building an actual Z ring you can buy in real life and it will sync up with the game. Um, as we were talking, in the, as we were recording, um, I got a notification saying that, like, um, from Amazon saying, like, oh, the Z ring is now available for pre order with Sun and Moon. Yeah, like it's a this bundle. is a merchandising yeah, thing. So. The thing, the ring by itself costs thirty. I imagine with Sun and Moon, it's gonna be like what fifty instead of forty for the game or something. Maybe. But um, what, what's it on your notification? Oh well, it doesn't tell me the price. I mean, you can swipe and open it. I guess I can. Yeah, but while you do that, I'll just make my point that. So for those who don't know about this ring, it lights up and vibrates with what you're doing in the game. You could put in a physical crystal in real life to mimic the one you're using in the game. And I don't exactly know how. I guess it syncs up with the sound it hears from the 3DS, but it will do the light and vibration literally in tandem with your trainer doing his little Z-move dance and everything in the game. So it is one-to-one, and it feels identical to what Yokai Watch did with his watch. Wow, the crystals look pretty cool. They do. Like, the thing looks pretty cool. It comes with a little Pikachu. Like, it's pretty neat. But it's just, like, it makes the Z-move look very, at least to me as being a cynical guy, look very much like uh, Nintendo and Pokemon Company, mostly Pokemon Company, going... Man, Yokai is very popular with that physical watch. What if we made a physical thing and ride the hype of Sun and Moon with this physical? Oh my thing? bad, I read. Um... Oh, it's not bundled. Well, yeah, because I read you can pre-order Pokemon Sun, and 
And then it, I, you could pure Pokemon Sun and Moon, and I guess my brain just added another and. Oh. But it just meant Pokemon Sun with the Crystal Nine Pack at Amazon. Wait, they're sen- they're selling the crystals separately. Um. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is definitely a merchandising move. So hopefully, for your sake, they do keep the Mega Evolutions. Um. Oh no, it comes with all of them. Well, I mean, it comes- oh. Yeah, so you can there's get the Z-Ring set, which comes with Pikachu and two and three rings, or you can get nine rings for an additional $20. I swear, the Z Z moves are such like a merchandising op and nothing more, which is uh, not necessarily that, a problem. So but... does this pretty much confirm that there are no new types? I guess it would. Yeah, they they wouldn't call it a nine-pack if there were ten. They just wouldn't tell you what the tenth one was. I mean, is that all the types? That's um... all the types. I think it's all the types. But but yeah, it, it so. really it really does feel like Z moves are nothing more than a cash grab. Yep. So so oh, there's well. a lot changing in Pokemon. I feel like some of it's for the better. It could lead to more variety in gameplay. Some of it's for the potentially worse in terms of competitive play if Z moves take off. And then you got the weird HM thing in the middle where who knows? But the I'd say the last on the list for Pokemon Sun and Moon news is as always the new Pokemon. Hmm. What were you gonna say about the Z ring? Oh, no, I, I guess as I was closing the phone because of the Z-Ring notification, I saw a tweet that pretty much from the Kirby Cafe, which is from Japan. Yeah, that which you didn't get to go to because it came back too soon. Yeah, that if you're dining alone, they let you dine opposite of Waddley. <laughs> oh, my God. Wait, what? This is the best thing yeah, ever. So okay, I'll... no one can see this photo because we're audio, so I will describe it. There is a Waddle that's maybe, what, three feet tall? You had to guess? Like two. Two feet tall, and they put him in the chair across from you when you're eating alone at the Kirby Cafe, and he's wearing... A little beret. Or not beret. He's wearing one of those, like... Chauffeur hats? No, like a newsy cap. But it's it comes in... It's, like, two-tone. And it's, like, the best thing ever. And I am going to go to Japan just to go to Kirby Cafe one day. Yep. So then alone. Or just say you're not... Yeah. That's so great. Eat with a Waddle Dee. Eat with a Waddle Dee. Um, but, yeah. So, what I was going to say is the last bit of news for Simon we should probably talk about after going through all the gameplay changes is the new Pokemon. I mean, a new batch of newcomers... Uh, they look fine. They look, they look dandy. I mean, there's a bird with four variations across the four I islands. I do like the That's bird. That's kind of cool. Um, bird's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, and as I mentioned before, uh, the Donald Trump lookalike Pokemon Young Goose now has an evolution that somehow looks even more like Donald Trump, and his name is Gumshoe. Uh, but what I really wanted to touch on, and I think probably what you probably have thoughts on too, is the new Alolan forms of the first-gen Pokemon, which now takes this idea of like island variation one step further than even what the bird does in that they are going and getting first-gen Pokemon and making them look different and have different types, kind of subscribing to the idea of like what the Galapagos Islands has in real life where there's evolution variances due to isolated areas with different climates and different conditions and creatures adapt. So You know what's funny? Like, um, yeah. Um, execute, executor is one of them. and He's the best. Don't you dare and, diss him. No, no, okay, I wasn't. Good. No, I was going to say that... <laughs> Um, just like a cool like fact that I, that that I learned like over the past few days that I guess like on the Pokédex or somewhere in the past they would say like oh executors yep. used to live on the coast but then they moved inland and then if you look at um like um palm trees that live in the desert they're usually like short and stubby and fat like executor but the ones that you find on the coast are really, really tall. tall so it's like oh so this is pretty much how executors used to look. But the ones we've always known are actually are the, the, the evolved ones. Yeah, that are just are the, the, uh, the ones that adapted ones. You know, to... Yeah, there's so a it's speciation. Lot... It's, it's actual science that they're putting it's in there. It's really cool. Like, I normally don't like changes, but it, it's super cool. Like, first of all... Definitely not something to be brushed off as like, oh, they're running out of ideas, so they're just remaking them. It's like more like, oh, they're pretty much going full force with things that they've applied in the past, I guess, or yeah. just mentioned. And not only that, but they, like, they look cool. Like, uh, Volpix and Ninetales are now ice types and look 
iced out. Like Nita, the new Ninetales looks very like elegant, <laughs> weirdly. And then there's Sandshrew and Sandslash. Yeah, I, I, like, I like how Sandshrew looks. He looks like he's wearing like a little jacket. Yeah, and Sandslash, like his his uh, spikes on his back are now icicles, which yeah. makes sense. Um, but yeah, Executor is by far the best. He. His extra height and his sheer joy of being that tall on that one face of his is it rivals the doofusiness of Bidoof, which is probably why I had him on my mind earlier. Cause... Oh man, just wait till you see plush toys of him. It's gonna be so. Long. Oh, I I can't wait. They're gonna uh, be scarves of him. I know. Okay. I can't wait. And also, all the memes that came out of Alolan, uh, uh Executor are so so good too. Do you see the one of um the Street Fighter gif where they like basically swing around him and break his neck? Oh, I'll, I'll find it for you after this, but um, yeah, it's, it's pretty entertaining. Um, but what's most crazy about this is he's existed since Gen One. Not just what you're saying about the Pokedex. There's merchandise from Gen One in Japan where there is a giant palm tree executor in the oh, background right. of the image. Yeah, like Pokemon does this amazing thing where they have these ideas for generation after generation, and then they just sit on them till the moments right. Like Ho Oh being in the first episode, of the first Pokemon. Yeah, I did see that picture. Uh, that was that was definitely kind of mind blowing. Like, whoa, he's, that's straight up. A Lowland Executor. Yeah. Like but we just obviously didn't know who he was then, so... Yeah, it's really cool. And, like, I don't mind... Like, like I, I think I said sorry, but maybe not. I usually don't like the idea of them just changing Pokemon designs for the sake of it. Like, the old ones are fine. They have lived on for 20-plus... Or for now, 20 years. Just let them be. But this makes sense for the species variants like you're talking about. For the fact that they've referenced them in older ones. a different type, too. The only thing that... Now, I'm just kind of curious about is... um. I mean, I guess that means there aren't going to be any normal executor on no. Sun and Moon. I mean, you would have to, I guess, trade them in. Yeah. And I guess I'm wondering, like, oh, like, can one turn into the other? Like, as soon as you trade it to Alola, it's like, oh, I'm going to turn into this. I doubt it. I mean, Probably if you not. if you take a, a, an ammo from the Galapagos Islands and drop it on Catalina here in California, yeah, I, but don't, I don't do, think... Do you see gonna... how fast they evolve? It only takes a few That's levels true. and then bam. Yeah. Me, yeah, no. I still don't think... Well, maybe. I know, I am. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, no, but I was going to say, like, I know you were saying how much you like Mega Evolutions, but I, I've I've always had this like in the back of my mind, just like they like animate. It. They they basically it's true. Like they, this, I mean, there's no explanation a, a, for a, it. Like, a, here's a, a stone. A, a Lolo Executor could have easily been a Mega Evolution. If well, no, that, that's not my point. I'm glad it's this and not that because like with Mega Evolution, these are like grounded in like you said, grounded in science and have like some backstory makes sense in this world that kind of mimics our own but kind of doesn't. Mega Evolutions are like. Game Freak going, wouldn't it be cool if Charizard looked like he stepped into Dragon Ball Z? Just throw a stone at him. We don't need to figure out a reason. Uh, and then they know. did it. Like, that's fine. But this actually, like, has... Makes yeah, sense. But, but it has the, backstory. And yeah, but the logical. thing is, like... Like, well, that's cool. Like, I mean, I can appreciate that side. Like, the reason I still want Mega Evolution is just because, like... It was... Well, I mean, the concept. I just mean... Oh, no. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, it was literally pure for the for the battling part of it. Yeah. Like, it that, it that just added so much and just made... Just honestly yeah. made it more interesting. Because, like, when you would fight a team that had three potential Pokemon that could Mega Evolve, now you're going like, all right, are they holding this item which makes them like a more defensive Pokemon? Are they going to Mega Evolve which turns them into the complete opposite? Like, you kind of have to be on your toes no, about I th- that. I think the concept of Mega Evolution is cool. I just thought the designs... Uh, I don't the know. The designs? I feel like some of the... Like, Mega Charizard X and Y just... Really? I, thought, like, I, feel I, really, like, I really like how they look. I, for some reason... It just... Every time I saw them, I'm like... So, basically, they put them through an anime filter. Like, they look like they were like, oh, dude, give him the spiky here well, from Dragon Pokemon Ball Z. Pokemon is an anime. I know, well, it became an anime. But, um, yeah, I don't know. Something about those. Or maybe it's just the fact that there wasn't a lot, rhyme or reason. Or just like, here's some stones we discovered in the game. Like, use oh. them. But, like, this. And granted, some of the other Alolan variations might a... look like anime characters. And then my point is somewhat moot. But 
this at least there's like oh well it's a different climate da, da, da. like they could have done some better backstory for mega evolutions and just being like hey it's the charizard you know and love but then we threw a charizardite at him and now he's this like they could have done something like oh certain I, I don't even know. I don't know how they would have done it because well, I mean, there's X no y, regional, regionality well, I mean, y, issue, but I mean, I don't know. I don't really remember exactly what the explanation was, but they did give you some explanation. It has something for to do them. with like meteorites, which is why they all ended it. Like something about it changes their genetic code, but it mm-hmm. just felt so like I don't know. This well, this goes back to my whole thing I was saying. I mean, not about, everything like, has to be grounded in reality to no, for you to enjoy it. That, I know. I mean, I mean, obviously, you're definitely the type of person that would enjoy something more because yeah. it is so. No, but that, that and that's going back to my earlier thing where you were saying how, or your earlier thing, but that's, saying but, to me that I like but, the more grounded Pokemon. But that's I guess the thing too, like, I mean, yeah, like, I could care less about that whole story part. Like, as long as it makes the competitive, the competition more interesting, yeah. then I could, I don't know, like, it could be like, oh, if Charizard costs in Mega Evolve, that could have been the mechanism. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, it, no, could, it um, could be so stupid, but I wouldn't bother me. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's weird. I admit I'm weird, but it's the same reason I liked the first couple waves of the sun and moon guys and i guess they the look lines, more I like mean... real things like i like this weird narrative this is just me being weird i like this weird narrative where pokemon is like a mirror of our world except there's pokemon like once it starts getting to like sci-fi and once it starts getting to like weird interesting stuff i'm not as into it because pokemon when it first started if you look at red and blue and, and yellow and even gold and silver the idea of Pokemon was always, it's like, I think they even said in the intro, and Oak is explaining to you, it's like your world, but they're a Pokemon. And I was like, cool, it's like a mirror, but they're a Pokemon. And then they're like, ah, but just wait, now we have meteorites hitting them in the head and they turn to anime characters. And it's like, mm, I don't know, like, I like what you do once you become that crazy mega evolution, but really, like, you were grounded somewhat. So I think it's just that shift over time, it's just something I wasn't on board with. Mm-hmm. And now Sun and Moon's kind of going back in the other direction, which is why I'm suddenly like, oh my god, this is great. I mean, even mm. Pokemon Go takes the idea of, like, it's your world, but not to heart. Like, that's literally the whole premise of Pokemon Go. Yeah. It's like a virtual duplicate. So that's just me personally. That's just how I always interpreted Pokemon, which ex- I think probably explains why I've always been like, why does it look like an ice cream cone? That's dumb for whatever Pokemon looks uh, like an ice cream cone. That does seem to explain a lot. Yeah. yeah. It, it, took, me, I, it never... took me five episodes over three years to figure that out, but I just figured yeah, it out. Yeah, because I never really questioned it. I was just like, oh, Pinsir. Like yeah, Pinsir. that's also why I don't like Digimon, I think. Well, first of all, I thought Digimon was a weird Pokemon knockoff, even though mm-hmm. I know they kind of came out at the same time. But uh, I think Digimon for me is always like, what? Like, oh, they just digi- they just appear? No, <laughs> no. Pokemon makes sense. That that stuff has nature in it. This does not. <laughs> but yeah, I, I just like that Pokemon was this mm-hmm. fantasy world that is our world but isn't, opposed to sci-fi crazy stuff. Wow, I feel like I really learned so much about myself just now. Yeah. What an eye-opening experience. I'm this is this is I'm having a moment. But, um, no, anyway, I did mention Pokemon Go. So I guess unless you have any other thoughts on Sun and Moon, we might as well switch over to Go mm. real quick because, yeah, there's a lot. They better not take away Megos. That's pretty much it. Right, right. Well, we'll but again, in, they're cryptic and we have no idea what they're doing. Yeah, so. But in time, I mean, I do like those those birdies. So Yeah, I like yeah. how they all have different Hawaiian dances, like traditional Hawaiian dances. They're yeah. all modeled on a lot of traditional Hawaiian did this, things. Like, they're... Not yet, but they're they're close to be my my Chatot equivalent. Like that, really, that Pokemon. You feel that strongly about them? Well, I mean, I'm I'm a huge bird fan. All right, here's a question: What are their names? Not, not, not the cheerleader. What's the name of the Pokemon? No, not the cheerleader. Well, that's like, that's what I said. Not yet. Because you don't because, even know their name. <laughs> because not all of them. Like generally, only the red one. Oh, only the the the, one. the cheerleader one and the fan one and the. Do you know their names? The, the hula one. It's like Choco. Oh, it's like some weird long name. I'm looking it up. Chocoroco. I don't know its name. Oh, Chocoroco would be a pretty solid name, actually. Um. Probably not Chakoroko, but yeah, I forgot what it is. 
don't know. Hey, someone on the other end of this recording that's listening, um, tweet us the name of those Pokemon because I don't remember. And clearly, we can't just Google it. What were you? What were you were thinking about Pokemon Go? Yeah. So I was gonna say. Um, well, first, I, I kind of sum up Sun and Moon. I just want Pokemon Company to be more direct going forward. Like, everything we're hearing sounds cool, but we don't know what's getting taken away as a result, like your Mega Evolution concern. So hopefully, as the game gets closer and they continue to do these bi-weekly releases, we start to learn what's staying versus what's being added. Because the changes are cool. I mean, this whole episode's about change, and change is cool. Or Recorio. does it. There we go. But it doesn't – never mind those who are going to tweet how, us. How did, tweet why did it take you so long to find it? I just put – I wrote Sun and Moon Bird and gave me all the old ones that are announced. I wrote name. Dancing Bird, Pokemon Sun. That's a bad Google. And it was literally the first thing. It's bad Google. Bad Google string. Or Recorio. Oh, I guess I wasn't that far off as my no. – No, you are. Tokoroko. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um, we both just had in unison. I just thought everyone <laughs> listening to notice that. Um, what did I say? But I yeah, like I, just, I just want – Pokemon Company to start giving like solid things, not just sort of cryptic stuff. But I'm excited. It's the, I haven't been this excited about a Pokemon game just because of the changes in um, years, hmm. excluding Pokemon Go, which unfortunately I'm not excited for because it's not good news over there. The one thing with bad changes in this whole episode is probably Pokemon Go. We have managed to spend two entire episodes leading up to this episode discussing how Niantic and the Pokemon Company need to add things to keep people engaged in the long term and need to like enhance the game. And then what do they do instead? They remove things. And they don't just remove some little things. They remove like very critical things. So for those... You mean they weren't glitches? They were actual... They were intended? glitches and they removed them instead of fixing them because they don't know how long it'll take to fix them. At least that's what I think is going on because Niantic's really bad at messaging, which is the second problem. So for those who somehow don't know or haven't kept up with the drama, here's a quick little summary. There used to be a cool thing that you track Pokemon. It would show zero steps when you're on top of them, one step when you're close, two steps when you're a little further, and three when you're the furthest, right? Everyone knows that. Mm -hmm. It only showed three steps at one point. And at the Comic-Con panel, we talked about this last episode, the CEO, John Hankey, was like, oh yeah, we're aware of this. Next update comes out, they take out the step tracking entirely. You know how you used to be able to press a Pokemon and it'd be like, it would change your little nearby thing to just show you where that Pokemon is in relation to you? You can't even press it anymore because there's no steps to count. Hmm. There's no three-step indicator. There's no way of knowing if anywhere in the radius of what these three steps used to be, which is like many miles perhaps, there's no way of actually knowing where they are. So you can just walk in circles for hours and never find that pincer or never find that chat tot if they eventually add future Pokemon before they fix this or whatever. It's a weird thing to take away. And then to make matters worse... That means people have to rely on those third-party map apps, you know, PokeRadar, PokeVision. And what does Niantic do literally the day after they take away the tracking? They turn off the API to those apps. You have literally no way of knowing where Pokemon are outside of your little well, bubble. Well, I guess to be fair, in the Pokemon games, the they, they don't really tell you exactly like, oh, there's a Pokemon this direction, that direction. Yeah, but... Maybe they're trying to replicate... Well, then again, there is the Poke Radar, but that's, like, only in your immediate vicinity. And this is what this used to be, Poke Radar. Yeah, no, I don't think Poke Radar and Poke Vision are good. Like, I don't want it to tell me I need to drive six miles that way to catch an Electabuzz. I want it to tell me the game, not those third-party apps. So even those third-party apps, the game won't do it. I want it to say, like, hey, you see on your nearby there is a Magikarp, you know, two clicks away, so to speak. Um, here's where it is so you can walk in the right direction. Because, like, you can be, like, if I'm looking for Scyther, 
I could spend an hour, well no, it's only there for 12 minutes. I could spend 12 minutes just meandering to nowhere and never see it while the game when it first came out and this worked for two or three weeks, it would actually guide me in the right direction so I'm not wasting my time, my battery, etc. And the problem with the battery thing is it's now more of an issue because on iOS they took out the battery saver mode. It just vanished. They didn't even put it in the release notes. They later acknowledged, oh yeah, that had bugs. And that's well, about the extent of the knowledge. It did. It for sure but, did. Yeah. But I'd rather have it work 80% of the time and not work 20% of the time and have it than not have it. And then basically they well, took away the thing that I mean, I guess that explains the, the rating. Because I mean, yeah. when I saw it on the iOS banner, like I clicked on it just out of curiosity and it was like two oh. out of five stars. Yeah, it's one, it's 1. 1.5 last I looked. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, I mean, the ratings are tanking and I can understand why. Like, it's just less fun to play. You, you, you just don't have you just randomly take it out now see if there's anything nearby and if and there then isn't then it. you're just like well yeah okay. like I've had multiple coworkers. I know I keep using coworkers as like my finger on the, the pulse of America here but I had multiple coworkers that complained to me about like because I know I'm the big Nintendo nerd they complained to me about like yeah this isn't as fun anymore like I'm not there's no reason I don't want to do it as much like I lost the motivation to actually go find these Pokemon I'll do what you described and just like turn it on go eh and then turn it back off because there's only so many Geodudes Pidgeys Sandshrews Rapida or Ponitas, Machops, Zubats, that you want a cat. Well, whatever the your local time. area, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But, uh. This is what we have. Yeah, so as a result, like you said, it got review bombed, and now it has 1.5 stars when it used to have 4.5 stars. So, oh, wait, you used to have 4.5? Back when, in the first week or two, yeah. Oh, wow. So, Niantic did really poor job messaging, but they did eventually communicate in some pretty vague terms on Facebook what's going on and they said that tracking's gone because it didn't work how they wanted to so they're improving that and they admitted that the ios's battery saver mode is out due to bugginess and will come back but it took them a really long time to say this like it took literally days and as someone who for my job works as an online community manager i can tell you that niantic is taking the completely opposite approach to what they should be doing it is much much better and i don't think this is surprising to anyone but i guess them it is much much better to be upfront with people when there are issues it's way better, even if it amounts to the same message of, we're working on it, please be patient, we don't have any actual news. Communicating that day one instead of day three, day four, day ten, that makes a huge difference in keeping yeah, your community usually happy. it makes it feel that the game is dead or something, that whenever yeah. they're not responding. And when they're not responding, it's like... I mean, that goes for any game. And how about the fact that, like, people paid money, people bought in-app purchases for Pokeballs that now, suckers. and things like that. Yeah, it looks like they're going suckers and running away. Like, I mean... Did you? I spent $2 in the game. <gasps> the first dollar was not by choice. I mean, it was, what? but I was over How by is the beat. Any dollar it was by choice it, because there's a Starmie that I had to catch, and I had no choice but to spend money, or else I wouldn't catch it. Here's the story. I'll tell you told on podcast. So I was over by the beach, um, getting lunch with some coworkers. We work close to the beach, and it's quite nice. I'm not bragging, but I am. Really? It, uh, You're that close? We are about seven minute drive. Huh. So we went to like a we went to like a beachside restaurant specifically to catch water types this day, and there's a Starmie, and I had. A Pokeball, two Pokeballs left. And I'm like, ah, pff, that's easy. I'll catch it. Did not catch it. Did not catch it again. When I don't have a Starmie, I need to go buy Pokeballs. Ran away from the Starmie, bought Pokeballs, went back. Starmie's still there. Open, like, hit Starmie, start the battle, threw a Pokeball, Starmie left. Oh. And I was like, so I just spent a buck in there because there were no Pokestops around. So I had to buy the Pokeballs. Yeah. And then Starmie left. And I, to this day, I have Snorlax. I have Jolteon. I have Flareon. I do not have Starmie. <laughs> I have Vaporeon? I don't yet have Vaporeon, but I could evolve on my Eevees with the name trick. But my point is, like, I have all these, like, elaborate, fancy, hard to... Like, Snorlax is, like, top-tier Pokemon. 
I got him by chance just driving around yesterday or in the passenger seat. And yet no star me. No very common by any beach anywhere in the world star me. All because of freaking right now Pokeballs. But um yeah, so I don't remember where I was going with this. Oh yeah, it sucks for people that spent money and now like the game's not working how they intended. But if Niantic up front was just like, hey, this is happening, we know. I think people would understand. They are reasonable. People, well, most people are reasonable. They're not too crazy. And I think people only get frustrated, and I've seen this in the community stuff I manage, they only get frustrated if you bob and weave around an issue like Niantic was doing for quite a while, from when the game first came out with server issues up through now, recently, with all these bugs. So, I mean, I, I guess I should give them credit where it's due. Their messaging is getting better now that they're getting bad press from their lack of messaging. Uh, but still, like, they really should end there. And that does bring us to their messaging, where they specifically put up a blog post explaining why third-party apps like uh, PokeVision and PokerRadar are no longer a thing. And it shouldn't be too surprising. The reason makes sense. Basically, it boils down to too much stress on the server. Niantic admitted that uh, the usage of third-party programs... I mean, it may not always be malicious. I think they know it's not always malicious. But by turning them off, they will cut requests to their server by half. And by doing that, it means, A, they were able to roll it out to more countries quicker. It just went live in 15 Asian companies. It went, uh, countries. It went live in Brazil right before the Olympics. So that's one perk of shutting them down. And two, it means that their devs, instead of working on server fixes, can now actually fix the bugs that I've been complaining about and building in new features. So... Well, I mean, I, I completely agree with this. I, it, I think and... it makes sense. I mean, as like someone that like both of us, I have a friend that like literally like uses the bot, and everyone. Well, that's what? different than what they're talking. Well, oh, it's is sort it? of one the same. Well, there's Pokemon maps and there's oh. Pokemon bots. The bots are doesn't the bot use the maps? The bot hooks into the same API. The maker of the bots are being sued now. Oh. So here's the things interesting. So yeah, the map, the map is strictly a thing for finding Pokemon around you, and it just pings the server. But those pings obviously drag down the server. The bot is literally fake accounts running around scraping data as much as they can, as quickly as they can, and catching Pokemon and acting like players. And Pokemon Company actually has sent out lawsuits to at least one bot creator. for It's just a guy who put some code on GitHub that then people have downloaded, including our friend. And they are now suing him for violating the terms of the game, uh, violating an, uh, like a fair copyright act for software or something like that. And basically saying, you are backwards engineering our API, which is our intellectual property. You can't do that. Hmm. So they're they're out for blood for the bots. For the maps, they're just kind of being like, it's hurting our server. Well, I mean, that makes off. sense. I mean, yeah. No. But, and, and the thing is, like, I mean. It's, I mean, like, well, both. I mean, like, it, while the maps are convenient, and, I mean, we did use one, like, to catch a magmar. Um, what a great magmar it was. Oh, it was. It was. Because um, <laughs> they introduced it to that one guy. Oh yeah, but um, for those but, who don't know, we're talking about the same time, like, Con strictly because of Con Magmar, and he was actually very nice and talked to us for like twenty five minutes. But and, I mean, yeah. like I don't know. At the end of the day, it's always better like if the game force if you're forced to play the correct way. I agree, especially I mean, like going back to the bots. Um, even though they weren't really in question, like I mean, like this, this friend, like, he'll like show us like his collection of bot captured Pokemon every once in a while, and he'll be like, like oh look how awesome and like everything. But He's like, cool, you did nothing. Yeah, Good but job. but the end of the day, it's like yeah, it's, it's literally like doing nothing and. I guess, like, the only real benefit, and not really benefit, but, like, I guess to them, that comes from is when they enable trading, you could essentially just trade yourself all the Pokemon you don't have, and you've caught them all, question mark? You, 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 you game charted your way through, <laughs> through Pokemon I Go. Know. Yeah, I... I mean, like... It's a pet peeve. I mean, I mean someone that, um... 
I guess I used the Game Shark like once in a while, like for some things, or even did the whole um, like training your Pokemon, or I guess like making perfect Pokemon. Um, that that whole other discussion. Um, like this is like the only one where I guess I don't really, I personally don't see like how you can get any gratification from it, because at least with like the Pokemon I made. Like, I still have to come up with a strategy. I still have to, like, breed, like, certain things. I still have to get the moves in there. Like, I still have to set everything up. And at the end of the day, none of that even mattered. It's all about the battle in the end. Yep. Like, what strategy, who's attacking what. This, the whole object of the game is to capture more and get good Pokemon for gyms. But if you're literally, like, literally doing nothing and they all just appear there and that's it. It's like, did you even really do anything? It just feels like... Not only that, but then you're ripping off people that have legitimately played the game for gyms. Like, it, when you... Sorry, go ahead. And, and like, it, to me, it just feels like you're wasting your time. You're wasting your time. You're dragging down their server, and more to the point, you're affecting other people. And you're, li- yeah. I mean, I, I feel like the only reason anyone want to do this is like to, I guess, impress someone. But I don't really see how anyone could. I don't really know what's be... impressive about it. I really don't. Yeah, it just makes it, it just makes it go like, like, what was the point? Like, yeah, it's like I mean, he <laughs> like, yeah, well it works. Open, <laughs> he might as well open that old like Prima strategy guide. That remember when Pokemon Red and Blue came out? It's just they published a Pokedex. You might as well just open it to a random page. And be like, look at these Pokemon. It's like, yep, yeah. I see them. They are published there, correct? <laughs> That's basically what he's doing with just showing the bot. us what Pokemon you can catch. Yeah, he's just like, check it out, guys. Here's some Pokemon. It's like, yeah, that I have heard of Dragonite, yes, <laughs> but it's yeah. I, the thing that bothers me most is like you were saying when you use Game Shark to like hack together your Pokemon team, you would battle with other people, but they were doing the same thing. You were all in the same bubble of like we're all making our dream teams and then battling one another. Yeah, and to be so fair, when I and, when, and to be fair, when I entered um, a regional tournament, like an officially licensed yeah. tournament, I actually made sure that my Pokemon were like a hundred percent right because you because you have integrity and ethics. But <laughs> but no, as I say that like the it was thing, like for testing purposes. Because I mean, yeah. right, right, it, it let you hone in on what works best, and then you tried it with other people who were doing the same thing, and you guys were kind of in your own little yeah. bubble. Like I said, yeah, the yeah, problem, we pretty much only battled each other. Yeah, because I mean, they were the only people we cared to. Beat. Right. Yeah. The problem with Go is if our friend or anyone who uses the bot, and this one, I'm glad that makes they an impossibly sued, high gym. Right, to and then goes and... to a gym. They just screwed over legitimate players who may have poured legitimate time, energy, money, and effort, and joy, and tears, and blood into their Pokemon that they did themselves. And then you come in and kind of scary that all those things could possibly apply. I know the blood <laughs> ones particularly creepy, yeah. and it could apply. No, but the um, yeah, and the thing is like. You're just taking away that gym, and then some guy that really tried hard is going in and being like, I'm never going to beat that CP 2600 Butterfree. But you, what gratification do you get from that? Like, cool, I have a gym. It's like, great. What are you using those Poke Coins for? Not Pokeballs, because you're not catching anything. You're hacking them. So, like, there's no, it's like a weird feedback loop that doesn't actually have a loop. It's just like the feedback just stops. Like, most, yeah. like, Pokemon Go is a good feedback loop where it's like, you know, Get Pokemon, get a gym, get coins, get more Pokeballs, get more Pokemon, get another gym. The hack is just like, get Pokemon, get gym, done. There's no reason to keep doing it. You're just taking things away from people that want to legitimately play the game. It, it Honestly, it's like my biggest pet peeve. Like In the gaming world, my biggest pet peeve is people that cheat in a way that affects others negatively. Like I don't care if you want to make the game fun for yourself by doing something weird solo or with a group of friends in a like, contained environment. But the second you go online and do that, or the second you go to a Pokemon gym and do that, it's like, there's zero, zero reason you should ever do that. Yep. Like you're hurt, you're ruining the experience of others for no good reason. It's rather selfish in a weird way. Anyway, anyway, the fact that they're taking away the bots and taking away the maps should hopefully fix the issues that us legit players want. And I mean, to really back that Niantic's not BSing when they're saying that they needed to turn off the server to fix server load. 
they haven't been able to get the Pokemon Go Plus out in time because of the server issues. It was supposed to be out end of last month. It got delayed till September. Um, Nintendo actually put out a statement saying that, literally saying the app wasn't ready yet. So if you need proof as to why maybe turning off this stuff is a good idea, there you go. It delayed phys- it delayed Nintendo's physical hardware, which is kind of says a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, the map stuff, though, I agree with you on the bots. The map is a bit trickier. Like you were saying earlier, like you'd rather do it in the game itself, and I would too. But I think but we can't. I think Niantic needs to throw us a bone here. Like the creators of PokeVision put out a um, open letter to Niantic, and they said, I don't know if I entirely believe this, but they claim the app was designed as a stopgap until the game's own tracking feature actually worked as intended. But wasn't it there before? It, and then it went working? away, and then the apps came out, and then the apps went away, and then it went away again. Like, the, the, the three-step glitch started about two weeks after the game came out, and all those apps started popping up around two weeks after the game came out. Hmm. Um, so, I like, I don't know if I buy that, but the fact of the matter is they claim they saw that Niantic just saw there wasn't a way to... Pro- Niantic wasn't giving people a way to properly track, so they came in as a middleman. And whether or not it's true that they were going to turn it off once it worked again, the fact of the matter is they claim 50 million unique visitors use Pokemon, uh, PokeVision. 50 million. That's over half the player base of Pokemon wow. Go. So if Niantic is turning it off in order to get their to get no, no. theirs what working smoothly... they want smoothly, their, those 50 million to be on there at all times? Yeah. And I think like... I think Niantic has no truth, but they need to move fast now, basically. Like, if they are going to turn off the thing that over half their users are using because their Niantic's own thing doesn't work, they need to get their own thing working. Or leave the other one up until it's I working. Mean, you can't ha- give them no option. I mean, they have to have realized that. I mean, they're handling Pokemon. Like, they can't really mess this up. Yeah, they have to be on top of this, and so far it doesn't really seem like they. Because people been. are gonna get fed up, and people yeah. are getting fed up, and people are stopping, not playing anymore, and stopping playing. That's what <laughs> Stop have stopped playing. But what, but what's weird is yet, and yet at least as of now, there's this paradox where everyone's like, "I'm not gonna play anymore." I'm no, I'm over this, and I've seen it firsthand. That I'm over it. But then all the stats and stuff suggest it's still doing well or still having positive impact. Like. It's a paradox that people keep playing, but they talk about how they're not playing. It's still number one on the App Store. Reviews are tanking, but still making revenue to the tune of $160 million just through in-app purchases. It led to, this is real, a doubling in portable battery sales in the U.S. in July. NPD put out numbers that said in June, portable battery accessories went up 4% month over month or year over year. Mm. In July, they went up 101%. (laughs) Can't be anything else yeah. but Pokemon. Can't oh, be. I guess side note, um, I might, I mean, I'll touch on those stuff later, but like in Japan, um, they have a lot of claw machines, and yeah. one of the claw machines was literally just a bunch of portable batteries, like the big ones. <laughs> yeah. And it just had, and on the back, it just had like a Photoshop together, like Pokemon Go batteries. Right. Yeah. Right, because it's it's that great. Like everyone needs batteries. The game yeah. drains your battery, which again, Niantic is why we would like the battery saver back. Yeah, convenience stores have new. Pokemon Go starter kits where they just right. where they just say, well, they wait. They took the starter kit meme and made it re- made it like a real thing. Well, they pretty much just had like a Pokemon banner and uh, then a Pokemon Go banner, and then under it, well, first we thought like, oh, Pokemon merchandise, but then we go over there and it's like, oh, it's portable batteries, like Camel packs, yeah. and like you know what's funny is in Japan, stuff you would need if you're gonna go walking, I guess. Right, right. It's funny because in Japan the walking. app isn't actually doing as well as the rest of the world because so many things in Japan you go underground by train. And there's no signal down there, yeah. and there's no Pokemon down there because you're underground. So but people the, aren't playing it as much. There's just it, not as much. In you know what's funny though? Um, one of a friend we went to Japan with. He's of all. Well, I guess of all the people I know, he's the highest level Pokemon Go player. So he's like 
I guess, of the most, the one that's played the most of everyone I know. Sure, yeah. And when he went to Japan, he was, like, trying to capture gyms. He was shocked at how high of a level, like, they were, like, towering over his level. And he was already, like, at, right. I think, at nearly 30 or higher. The impression I'm getting from... And I've pretty been... much, like, so pretty much the Pokemon Go players, even though they've had the game for much less time, and even if there's fewer of them, they were way more, more hardcore, yeah. yeah. That's what I was about to say, is I've been reading that those who play in Japan play yeah but like, there's not as many of them yeah that's right there were like, like you couldn't even like take like one of the gyms like near a hotel just because it was impossibly high yeah. and was, like there's no way like that could have been yeah and i and i think that proves that even though everyone's complaining about pokemon go it's still not getting hurt like that analytics firm we talked about last episode sensor tower they said that um time spent in the game usage of the game went up by one minute following the update that took away tracking which kind of makes sense because you need more time to find your pokemon because it's not telling you where they are but people aren't just frustratingly being like, ah, oh, never mind. They're actually walking around more, I guess. Yeah. So it's just it's just crazy that well, like all this bad stuff's happening, but it's still not hurting, which almost is like the wrong type of positive reinforcement for Niantic's behavior. Well, I guess some but, people are like, well, less people, more gyms to claim. Yeah, I mean, it's true. I mean, yesterday me and one, two, three, me and five coworkers claimed a gym, switched it to another team, switched it back to our team, switched it to another team, and then back to our team just for the sake of... Uh, Getting experience. Mm-hmm. Wait, I think I said that one too many times. I think we only did one switch. But nonetheless, like, there are still people super into it, and it's having a halo effect for Nintendo, which is really nice. Um, and I think we're going to see this in Nintendo's financials for July through September when they come out in October. But in Japan, shipments of Omega Ruby and Alpha Sapphire have doubled. In Italy, sales of Pokemon games as a whole rose 59%, and 3DS hardware went up 33%, all following Go coming out. This is happening around the world. Those are just the numbers that I've seen so far. But there's this trend where Pokemon Go is actually boosting Nintendo's core stuff, which, if you may recall, was the entire philosophy behind Nintendo going mobile in the first place. So it's working. And to tie this on a nice bow, perhaps that means the NX idea of upgrading people from smartphone games into something more will work as well, because here it is. I mean, 33% uptick in 3DS sales in Italy. We're probably talking small numbers to begin with. A third growth is still pretty good. Hmm. So it, it's interesting. And I, I think the takeaway from all of this Pokemon Go chat we've been doing is that Niantic just has to be careful going forward. Like if they want – if and Nintendo has to make sure they be careful because if Nintendo wants this Halo effect to continue, they need to make sure that Niantic communicates properly. New features need to be put in instead of being taken out. Right now, they're, everyone's riding high off the buzz of the game. But people are going to get fatigued. People are going to stop playing, especially if Niantic doesn't give them reasons not to. So, I mean, it's happening to me. I still play pretty frequently, but I would say I'm nowhere near as frequent as the early days. Well, the honeymoon I'm not, period's over. I mean, yeah. But I feel like the honeymoon period shouldn't be over, but yet, but it's over because they took away things that made the game what it was. Like, it's. Touche. Yeah. So, I. Yeah. It's it's interesting. I, I haven't been able to talk about Pokemon Go for many episodes for quite a while, just because, like, somehow the, there's drama with it in one direction or another every single week. So we'll see where it goes from here. I'm hoping it does well. Um, meanwhile, while Pokemon Go is stripping out features and causing uproars and there's riots in the street, you got Mitomo finally adding a second game, and nobody really noticed. Did you know there's a second game in Mitomo now? I haven't had Mitomo on my phone for a long time. Ah, but you didn't even read about it, right? Nope. Yeah, they just stealthily snuck it in there. So the game is called Candy Drop, and it gives you a reason to actually have candy. So previously, if you recall from when you had Matomo, I don't even remember what candy is. Yeah, so when you so when Matomo, how it worked is um, you got candy as consolation prizes when you didn't get items in Matomo. Oh, and you that's got candy right. When you that's did right. Certain things. And with this candy, you could go to someone's questions or someone's room 
and then pay to view answers to things. Yeah. Now they're like, that's dumb. So they t- <laughs> it, it was. So they took out the candy payments. You can now view any question at any time. And they make candy buy you more game tickets for more Mitomo drops and the uh, opportunities for more free clothing. So the second game, how it works is it's literally Mitomo drop but with candy and you drop the candy and at the bottom of it is a row of different amounts of tickets and you get tickets. So instead of it just going like Mitomo drop, candy, done. It's not Mitomo drop, candy constellation, candy drop that rewards you more tickets, more Mitomo drop, more candy, more tickets, more Mitomo drop, more, and it just forever continues. So, I mean, it the fact that Candy Drop's the same basic game as Mitomo Drop, is, but with tickets, is kind of a bummer. But it's nice to see that Nintendo's actually addressing things in the game. This many months later is actually, like, making adjustments, making it better. Yeah, uh, I mean, tickets only were available as a daily bonus or as or through real money up till now. So the fact that they're putting this new loop in there does make it so, presumably, whoever's actually still playing Mitomo will now continue to play Mitomo because there's actually, like, a feedback loop that rewards you. While before it was kind of like a dead end, hmm. so I think there's probably more Nintendo should uh, do with Vitomo. I mean, here's the thing: I don't even really play it anymore. You uninstalled it. I don't think Candy Drop's gonna get me back in, but Vitomo—they can make it critical to the larger Nintendo ecosystem. They're combining all their stuff. They're making everything talk to one another. Vitomo, if Wall Street Journal's right, and blah, blah, blah. right, and if exactly, or like the Zelda thing, or the Mario shirt c- campaign they just did, or like. They, Wall Street Journal said Mitomo's going to be on NX. Well, not by name. It said Nintendo smartphone apps will be on NX. Mitomo will be there. So what is stopping Nintendo if they're pushing this hard for dressing up your me? The whole point of candy is to get more game tickets. The whole point of game tickets is to get more clothing. It's not even about questions anymore. So wouldn't it be cool if your me and how it's dressed in Mitomo is how it's represented everywhere? If they hook it into everything, you go Miiverse. Your me looks just like how it does in Mitomo. You go play a game with a me inside it. Like you're playing Mario Kart NX. And you're driving as your me, and your me is wearing your Mitomo clothing. Like they can, That'd everything's cool. cloud based now. They if they're pushing clothing this much and outfits this much, just make it universal across my Nintendo as a thing, across Nintendo as a thing. Yeah. It just seems like the next logical sense, or I mean, step not sense. So, the real question is, will Nintendo do it? Probably not, but I can dream, and I will. So, yeah, I mean, it could it, honestly, it could give Nintendo a second wind with me, or give Mitomo a second wind for Nintendo. And it would make everything feel so much more unified. So it's just a matter of will they do it. It's, it almost feels like they're ramping up for it. But then knowing them, they'll just stop here. But we'll, we'll see. Hopefully not. Yeah. The The final bit of news is that Leighton is back. Only in last name? In third name? Only in, only in family ties, yes. It, it's funny. I actually... Um, I was like three weeks ago. I just had this ram thought. Well, this is the second time because first were Leighton brothers, which was actually right. Leighton's son. Yeah, now it's 2012. And now we have... Uh, this new one but it's funny because a few weeks ago I want to say like three or four and just out of the blue I was just like whatever happened to Professor Layton like I didn't even like no reason for it to come up it just popped to my head and then a couple weeks later here comes uh, so his daughter is... Catrelli so he has Layton. a daughter and a son that each have their own spinoff games yes but this is not a spinoff this is the next main line oh. Layton so basically what they did is the Layton series I mean you've played them all right most of them. Most they, I two. believe the last game basically closed the book on it. Like, they're like, all right, that's the end of the Leighton saga. The like, Azran Legacies? Yeah, like, it actually tied a... It like, I, first well, episode, I said first, tied a bow on it twice, but I think it actually well, the sort first, of summed him well, up. Well, the first three games um, were present Leighton. Right. Um, and I guess, technically, it's Attorney vs. Phoenix, right, being the most recent game in his present modern Leighton. Yeah. And then the three sequels, um, I think they were all, like, prequels. 
So the last yeah. one was a So they gave backstory, so now he's a well-rounded character, and they could kind of let him be. Yeah. So this one is the next successor, and it's called Lady Layton, the Millionaire Ariadones, Ariadons, Ariadons Conspiracy. <laughs> um, I don't know how that name's pronounced. It's not a real name. Uh, or maybe it is. Sorry if your name is Ariadon, Don, Din, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, the game's coming to 3DS as well as iPhone and Android next year. So it is kind of piggybacking off what Layton Brothers did, which was smartphone only. Um, but it's not just about her being a girl this time. Not just about his daughter. They're actually changing up the gameplay. So, according to Level 5, it's going to be less about dynamic problem solving. It's going to be more about solving multiple mystery cases observed in the everyday lives of Londoners. And it's going to also be more about, um, or more comical, I should say. Not more about comedy. It's going to be more comical. So, uh, it almost sounds like they are going a bit Phoenix Wright on it. Hmm. Mystery cases instead of brain teasers there will still be kind puzzles. of what um Layden brothers was it was yeah. a mystery it's gonna mystery it, i think it's doing that which i guess was also i mean professor Layton was always like a mystery game it was very like ace attorney in that sense like they're they, the only reason the only thing about the mysteries was that um they were all just sandwiched between puzzles just a bunch of puzzles which i don't know which was i guess also just a nice way that it complemented with ace attorney i should say because that one had yeah. Well, well, I'm blinking on the. Yeah, it had witness testimonies that complemented the puzzles. It was just nice, and I liked it. Right, right. And I mean, yeah, and they're still saying there's gonna be brain teasers. Like, don't get me wrong. But it's different. Different. <laughs> <laughs> like, well, part of the reason it's different, to, to be fair to them, is the original puzzle master of late, and a guy named Akira Tago, uh, passed away earlier this year. So instead of just trying to mimic what he's doing, I guess they're saying, all right, well, we could take the core thing that you were describing. Like the brain teasers mixed with the mystery. Maybe lean a little more on mystery just so it feels different. And then we could bring in new puzzle masters and not just try and mimic what the no longer alive guy's strategy was and kind of do our own thing and carve our own future for Leighton without just trying to copy-paste what he did. I think that's kind of the angle they're going with, if that makes sense. Yep. But I think I actually think the way that Level 5 is handling a shift from male protagonist to a female one is really like smoothly done here. I mean... They're they're probably doing this to some extent to appeal more to women. Like I know that sounds so ridiculous. Like oh, they put a female character because they want more women. But like, I'm it's kind of true. I mean, gamers, male or female, know about Layton, and some casuals know. But like, if you're a little girl browsing the iOS or Android app store and you see uh, Lady Layton versus Professor Layton, you're probably a little more inclined to check out Lady Layton as a girl that identifies with the main character. And they're not doing it in, like, a tacky way. That's what's nice is it's, like... A lady could still be a professor. That's sh- Well, yeah, but <laughs> if you see a guy in a top hat versus a girl with oh, no, yeah, girl uh, hair, yeah. But, um, but yeah, it's, it just feels like a natural extension of the latent verse, which is now a thing I've coined, the latent verse. Uh, but, no, seriously, it's just, like, it just makes sense because instead of just being, like, doing what Nintendo did with Link and Linkle and be like, it's Link, but female, they're like, here's an actual different uh, person. That means my book is incomplete now. Yeah, you're going to have to get the... Yeah, that Successor actually. Book. Yeah, I, I bought the um, at Anime Expo. I bought the Udon published book called "The World of Professor Layton." And well, I, she might be in it. She's been referenced before. She's not entirely new. Well, I mean, no, but I mean, I had art that covered every single oh, game, including the spin-off. Yeah. Well, that was. Well, it's no, not happen- no, yeah. Until until level five goes bankrupt, which they probably never will, because they also have Snack World coming to 3ds and a bunch of other stuff. Um, yeah, the book's always going to be incomplete. Well, not necessarily. I mean, like, I have the art of Ace. Phoenix Air is attorney dual destinies. That's just oh, that game. Okay, yeah. And then the first game that covered. Well, yeah, yeah. I know, yeah, I know well, what you mean. When, I know what yeah, you mean. I know what you still, mean. When it's my newly coined latent verse that you're talking about. 
I know. It's kind of why I hate buying, um... Well, I shouldn't say I hate buying because I don't. It's, it's why I don't buy, um, like, collectors... Collector sets of Blu-rays or certain mm-hmm. things that I know are still ongoing or... Right. That may get a sequel announced because then it's like, oh, now they're going to make another one next year. And yeah, I'm kind of the same way. Mine doesn't have the nice binding cover that gets all of them in there. I mean, I, I don't buy Blu-rays really at all, but if I... I never understood the idea of buying an, an incomplete set when you know there's more coming. Yeah, I, I, know, I remember the only one you considered was the Dark Knight trilogy just because yes. that one was, was fine. supposed to be was just very a trilogy. Finite. Yes, that is true. Um, what was I going to say, though? I don't know. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see where, where Leighton goes with this. Or level 5 goes with Leighton. Or mm-hmm. whatever. Yeah, so it's coming in 2017. Wait, so is this character Rose? Like the adopted daughter that he got from part no, 1? No, her, name, her name's... I, I told you her name. Her name is um, Catrelli. Oh, I... Or com- Catriel. I Catriel. Catriel. I don't think or you Cat- said that, or I missed I, that completely. I definitely... Uh, someone rewind the tape and let us know. I'm pretty sure I did. <laughs> if not, maybe not. But yeah, I think I think they're... It's a cool way of expanding your verse without coming off as like, oh, we're just made a female. So props to level five for that. Um, another universe that's being expanded, this is an awful transition, is Metroid with Federation Force. And more appropriately, uh, more appropriately, Blast Ball, which yeah. is out. I heard that Jason was having a ball blasting a ball through food. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that 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 was going places, and then it just fizzled out. Um, I had a blast listening to you talk about the ball that was being blasted, and the yeah, yeah. So um, that that was basically it for news. Now we're going into what we're playing. What I've been playing is it's been out for a few weeks. So I didn't get a chance to try it till. You know, since our last episode, and that is Metroid Prime Blast Ball, which is the multiplayer component, the competitive component of the upcoming Metroid Prime Federation Force. And what Nintendo did is much like i 3 where they demoed it by itself, they have put out a public demo by itself for people to try Blast Ball for free in advance and play online and everything. And then at the, like, tucked in there is also a training mode, which is almost like a demo for Federation Force. So you have Blast Ball, and then there's this little side thing you can do that kind of gives you a sense of what the co-op play at Federation Force will be like. We talked about Federation Force back in April when we played a demo then, so we will wait to give impressions on that until the real game's out um, in a couple episodes. But Blast Ball is fully featured, fully contained. I was shocked at how much is in this free demo, basically. Like, it has unlockables. You have all the different uh, mech suits you can put on your character, including ones based on Ridley and uh, all the other... Metroid Character. bad guys Kraid I almost said Krang but it's Kraid yeah. Uh, yeah so it's actually pretty feature, fully featured and then the game itself is way more fun than I expected like I played a kind of janky version of it at E3 a year ago E3 2015 I always say it's janky because it was very slow and it's still pretty slow but you're in a mech suit so it makes sense but it now that I like sat and played it for way more than I expected to like I started when I started at 11 I'm like I'll play for like an hour and then it was 2am I'm like oh Guess I played for three hours, but it's it's really fun. Like, if you haven't tried it, the basic premise. I know you've played it too, but yeah. the, the basic premise for those who haven't tried it is it's like Rocket League but with mechs. So you're in this arena. There are two goals on either side. It's kind of like soccer. Ball falls from the ceiling. It could be a regular ball. It could be like a hologram or like a hollow ball. It could be a molten ball. All with different weights and different properties. It's randomized because Nintendo loves random in multiplayer. And it drops down, and you have to shoot the ball into the opponent's goal. First person to three, or first person, or the person with the high, first team to three, or the first team with the highest score after five minutes wins. And each time you score, the goal physically gets smaller. The whole, like, things come down and the hole actually shrinks, which makes it more challenging and makes it a little more level. Um, control wise, 
that's where the Metroid tie-in is. There's nothing Metroid-related about this except the controls, which are pretty much Metroid Prime controls. Left stick, you're moving around. Hit L to lock onto the ball. You can then tilt the 3DS gyro to kind of aim at different parts of the ball, almost like a right analog stick equivalent. And it actually kind of works pretty well. I don't know why it doesn't use the C stick on the new 3DS, but the gyro actually got the hang up pretty quickly, and I, I was killing it when I was playing those three hours. Like my, we I think we had a win streak of like my team of like ten or eleven at one point. Mm. It's pretty great. Um, yes, yeah, so, and then you shoot obviously with the other buttons and everything, but you can also jump. There are power ups that appear randomly. Because the thing with every multiplayer... Well, Nintendo the power-up is random, but I mean, don't, don't they disappear if you just repeatedly shoot at the ball? Well, true. Okay, yeah. I meant they're random in terms of what they oh, yeah. are. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, which is um, what I like about the game. It's like, do I want to like kill the enemies to have some more freedom with the ball? Do I want to repeatedly shoot the ball to spawn items? Or do I want to charge up a shot to like get the ball to do the side? They're just like... It actually has some depth yeah, to it. Yeah, there's a significant amount of depth it, to it. It's what, what I was going to say is it's like every Nintendo multiplayer game. There's this weird mix of randomness and depth that somehow work really well. Because, you know, Mario Kart, you have items plus being able to drive well. Smash, you obviously have the fighting and then items if you leave them on. Blast Ball, you have what you're saying, these different strategies you can do. And I, you know what I, never, I just realized? I never actually shot at other people directly. I always went for the ball. It did Like, I knew that was an option. I just never consciously was like, I'm going to shoot this guy instead. I... Well, sometimes it's more effective to just the shoot the ball and have the ball hit the player since that also casts damage. That. Yeah, but I've never if anything, I think that kills the person never, faster. It does. It can kill yeah. in one hit. But I've never actually... And by kill, to be clear, what happens if you get hit by the ball, and this is kind of where you have to balance your strategy out, is um, you get ejected... Your suit melts down for like 10 seconds, and then it respawns. You have to run back to where the ball is. And there's also flanking you can do around the ball by holding B, which lets you kind of like get in front of it and shoot it. Um, but I was going to say, that's what's great about Nintendo multiplayer is they always have this like dichotomy of random versus skill that works really well and blast ball manages to do that just at a slightly smaller scale it's not quite as diverse like the items you know one speeds you up one causes a guy to eject from from his mech suit if he's in front of you uh there's a shield there's one or two others i think the speed boost and the speed boost. Yeah, i said that one the lightning the speed boost so they're like they're they're not as critical as say mario kart like i found myself often just never using items and still winning but they are a nice little extra piece. Um, what was I gonna say? But yeah, the the interesting thing is it is online, and I know you kind of have a bone pick about this. It it has pre written things you could say at teammates. Yeah, but from what I could tell, it does. It only really seems to say it in the native language. Which on one hand is really cool because you know you're playing with a Japanese dude, a French dude, a German dude, a Spanish dude, but you don't know what they're saying. <laughs> yeah, like, I I mean, like, only because, like, I took, like, basic Japanese, like, I knew pretty much what they were saying. Like, they kept, like, they just kept repeating sorry over and over again and excuse me or stuff like that. But, yeah, for the most part, like, it was, that was, like, yeah, that was just, I'm like, wow, so if I play against, like, German people or, actually, there were, yeah, like, one or two words that I just had no idea what they were saying. And if I was, like, saying stuff to them, like, there's, like, no subtitles on the top screen when you're playing. So, yeah, it was kind of... I guess it even got annoying at some point because, like, if you know what they're saying, actually, even if you didn't know what they were saying, since, like, you could hear it at all times, it's just, like, I don't know, random cheering, I guess. See, it depends on how you use it. It, it depends on, yeah, what is that? yeah, it's on a player per player basis. Like, yeah. the, the the few people I got just love to spam the chat button. See, I, I barely had people that talked. I was the most chatty of the bunch because what I would usually do is, oh, real quick, first, it does give you translations, top left, bottom left corner of the top screen when you're on the, uh, 
not the replay screen and i don't think it's when you're actually fighting but when you're in that like in between where it's loading the next round it will actually show you a little text of what they're saying oh, yeah, but not when it matters no but in theory you can over time from playing learn oh. different words which i started to do which is how it actually was useful to me like i have mine set to actually be useful things so like you know if it's like oh we gotta charge the ball and go like i will have go 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 which is a bit of a cheer but a bit useful but we there was one guy on my team we actually the two of us did like five matches together and he would be like i'm defense and i'd be like okay i'm offense and we'd actually like communicate that properly and even though he was japanese it you know we eventually it made sense and actually worked and that's how we had a pretty good strategy at one point also fun fact if you shoot the ball if you shoot under the ball when it drops at the right time it will bounce over your opponents and most likely go in the goal right away little pro tip Mm -hmm. but um but yeah the the language thing like on one hand it is really cool because you gotta know who you play with and it's neat that they actually have they're fully voice acted in each of those languages and you can manipulate the voice how it sounds male female and pitch um in the, your settings to so actually make like a custom voice so it's kind of tomodachi lifelike in that regard and that's pretty cool because it's like it really feels like you're playing with actual people unfortunately because it's nintendo you don't know what they're actually what they actually want to say because there's limits yeah because nintendo always does that but it i i really enjoyed it like i did not think i'd care that much about blast ball i thought i'd be picking up federation force because when we played co-op back in april we really liked it because it, it's four swords but metroid like it's great contrary to what everyone else on the internet seems to think um, but yeah, no, Blast Ball is a pleasant surprise, and I believe how it's going to work is it's free up until the end of August when the game comes out, on I think the 20th, and then it becomes a baked-in feature of Blast Ball, so, I mean, of Federation Force. So the demo will end, or perhaps you can play the demo for some extended time against people who own the full game, but eventually they're going to merge into one thing. Um, and I think the stats go with it, which I hope is the case, because I, I have some good stats. But but yeah, I, I really enjoyed it. It's it's one of those things like it takes the controls are a little strange. I know I walked through how they work, but like the gyro aiming in particular takes a little while to get used to. But by four or five matches, it clicked and I was powering through. Did you um, think you would have preferred a traditional DS Metroid Prime cell control, or do you prefer this? I would prefer the C stick working as a right oh. stick because it's already there. You know, I don't even know if I tried it. I might just never have tried it. But, um, no, I think I prefer this, honestly. Because you need... The, t- the touchscreen's useful because there's a map on there where your teammates are. The touchscreen's useful because that's how you do the voice commands beyond the, the... There's four you can set to the D-pad and you customize which four. But if you need to say other stuff, like if once in Blue Moon you want to say, uh, you know, like, this is our chance or we need to defend or whatever, which are all things you can say, um, you want that whole menu accessible. I feel like putting your thumb on there would block that. And mm-hmm. honestly, while I got used to Prime and while uh, Prime Hunters, and while the the finger pad thing on the touchscreen was really nice at the time, it was always a bit jittery to me. Like it always felt like it was moving a little too fast. But this feels slower, <laughs> almost too slow to go the other way. But I'd rather have a little too slow than a little too fast. I think. Yeah. But I mean, what was your take? You you played Hunters a lot. Um, I enjoyed it. I enjoyed my time with it, but doesn't really seem like a game I would probably invest my time in. This is one of those, like, um, what was that term? Um, lightning in a jar? Lightning in a bottle? Bottle. In a bottle. Or, in a oh, bottle. flash in the pan. There oh, you go. Oh, flash in the pan, yeah. Yeah, because, like, I enjoyed it for the time I played with it, but then I'm like, all right, back to Monster Hunter, back to Smash Brothers, right. back to whatever I was playing. I guess it just didn't hook me the way it hooked you, but I think, but I, I still think it's a very good game. Like, everything about it, like, it has the depth. Maybe if I wasn't playing if I didn't already have all these other more high-priority games, yeah. I would definitely play this a lot more, but unfortunately I do. Or fortunately I do. 
Fortunately, you do. Yeah, fortunately. Um, yeah, I was going to say that uh, there is one thing I want to complain about, and that's some of the online net code, I guess. Almost every match, there's one person not playing. Almost every match, there's one mech just standing there. In fact, one match, it was me and another guy versus one opponent. Because his other two, I don't know if it's like they freezed or if it's like that's lag and they're seeing froze? something different. Or yeah, froze. <laughs> thank you. If it freezed, and you're the one that's jet lagged, not me. That's the sad part. Uh, like I should not be making these errors. I want to <laughs> sleep. Huh? No, I just said I want to sleep. I know you do. And here's a fun fact, everyone. It is we were we were recording this at four forty five in the afternoon on Saturday, and he's ready to pass out because of jet lag. Japan or jets can. Yeah, just can do that to you. Nope. But um, no, I just say like the net code. Like I don't know if that's lag on their end or if they literally froze or if they dropped out or what. But I felt bad for that one yellow player that uh, me and the other indigo guy were destroying. Sorry, gold, gold player. Yellow's yellow's um insensitive. It's gold. Um, yeah. What's the other one? Um, indigo. Indigo. Yeah. For the record, Team Indigo is the way to go by far. That was not supposed to be a clever quip. I just couldn't think of a better way to word it. But Team Indigo for life. I mean, come on. Metroid Prime start on GameCube. GameCube's flagship cover color was indigo common sense you got pokemon go indigo. indigo plateau that's about it. i'm sure but that doesn't quite connect as smoothly that's I mean, if that's if we're the pokemon league is right but yeah no i know that but like metroid prime started on an indigo system oh uh, so i was indigo i know i know all right fine jason I we're not as perfect as you thank you finally you admit it now king <laughs> uh but yeah, so I, I would recommend if you have not played Metroid Prime Blast Ball, I mean, it seems to hook me more than it hooked you, but I'd recommend checking it out. It is free, and it gives you a good taste of what Federation Forces controls You only are have like. time to lose. You have time to lose, and you have battery to lose, but you yeah. have no money to lose. So yeah. if battery and time are not issues for you, there you go. check it out. What a weird endorsement. But well, yeah, I, I actually really, really like it. Like, it's more, more accurate than saying you have nothing to lose. Cause, yeah, you're right. Yeah. But I, I do think it's really fun. So definitely check it out. I'm trying to think if there's anything else worth mentioning. I think we covered it all. I'm, it got me actually legitimately excited about Federation Force again. Like in April, I was really into it when we played it. And then as Nintendo put out like additional information. Like they did that 15-minute video when we were at ConCon that we haven't even covered. Where like, here's how Federation Force works. And here's like why we did this art style and everything. And I was like, well, we kind of knew all this because we played it. But like that. So that didn't really like stir up much excitement. But then actually playing Blast Ball and getting really into it. I was like, yeah. I'm excited for Federation Force. I am one of the five people on the internet who are excited for Federation Force, and I'll be one of the six who buy it because someone's going to get converted over. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, so that, that's pretty much what I've been playing. You were playing Monster Hunter, but not enough because you were in Japan, so we're saving that for next time. Yeah. Know, last time I said be this time, so sit tight. It was unfortunately in the cargo hold, so I could only really play Rhythm Heaven and Smash Brothers. On the plane. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, Japan. Like, man, that's... I mean, usually we do what we're playing, but how about where you traveled? Like, that's... <laughs> That's like video game mecca, right? Yeah, unfortunately, I was only there for a week, so there really isn't too much to talk about. But there, I mean, it's very different. Like it's just, it's just so interesting how different it is. Like, and um, at least let me be more specific. Like different from LA, because as um, Jason pointed out to me that like the transit system, like I was like complimenting the transit system, how like it's so easy to get everywhere, and I guess it has to be because rarely anyone drives. Like everyone walks everywhere. And yeah, we were able to travel. Like we were in Ikebukuru. That's like one of the districts. And then we went to like three of the districts in Tokyo. And I assume Akihabara was. Yeah, we, we, yeah we, went, we went to Akihabara. We went to Shinjuku. We went to Tokyo. And then we busted to Disney Seas. And just busting it from the airport to our hotel was like extremely easy. 
Well, I should say, extremely after the first time. The first time, we just had to figure out... How many times did you go to the airport? Oh, no, no, no. Like, just traveling in general. You oh, just... I thought you meant, like, like, of the six times we came into the airport. <laughs> like, after our initial trip, like, we had to figure out, like, how to... Like, what button do we press? Like, mm-hmm. what does this mean? And luckily for us, um, it didn't take us too long to figure out that there's an English button that just translates everything in English. Oh, that's nice. But even so, you still have to know exactly how much you want to pay for it. Because it doesn't tell you on the screen where you're going to go. It just has numbers. So you have to look at the giant map right above those screens that say, oh, all right, you're here and you want to go to Tokyo. That costs you 150 yen, which is like a buck fifty, And... So on the screen, you have to click on the 150 button. So technically, you could go anywhere that costs 150. Oh, yeah. There so, was, I don't remember where I was, but there was a place I was at that did it similarly. I, I want to say the UK, where like you pay by distance. Yeah, you're, pay you're paying by, by distance. Place, yeah. Which means you can easily get on the wrong train, which happened to me. Um, like, it was the same train line, but one yeah. was express and one wasn't. So one skipped the one stop we needed, and we had no idea. But Granted, it, we don't have foreign language to hide behind for our mistake but yeah but if you have a but they do sell like bus we didn't get these but they do have like bus passes that if you pay for a certain amount you could literally just go anywhere you just put your bus pass in you don't have to worry about what number is which and that's all good right but i mean obviously like the biggest thing that i would notice from japan or that our group in particular would be the video game culture and damn it's really awesome and it's and it's (laughs) and it was almost like depressing coming back because over there, like, at least in the places where we were staying, every other building was, like, a giant arcade. It was just floors and floors of arcade. They had floors just for rhythm games, floors just for fighting games, floors just for miscellaneous games. And they had another floor for games with weird peripherals. Like, there was a game that... But there's a floor dedicated to just, like, there's a drum on this machine. It should go here. No, that was in the rhythm. Oh, that'd be rhythm. Yeah. yeah. Like, there was a game that used, like, a sphere mouse pad looking thing. On one hand, on the other hand, you used, like, a stylus to, like, draw incantations on the screen i don't know what, what? <laughs> there was a game that used like two i guess trick like two triggers like an airplane like sure. two joysticks uh-huh. but they had buttons on them and one of them had an analog stick and in addition to being a joystick like hmm. so i don't know it was weird and then there was another one so there's a stick on a stick stickception no there was a whole bunch of them and one of the interesting ones that one of our friends got really into was um it's a game where you use two you wield two guns but the guns have magnets on both the top and both sides of them so that you could combine them for different configurations so as you're oh, shooting cool. so if you're shooting with each gun individually you can combine them together to make a stronger gun that yeah. shoots like a giant laser or you can stack them on top of each other to do a different kind of damaging gun that's cool and then they also have like those like 360 degree like spheres where you're like piloting a mech or whatever right, right. but of course the thing that seemed to have like gotten us the most or gotten the group the most was the the arcade like the I guess the gambling machine? They're not really gambling machines, but the they're Chico. just the the, the, claw, the claw machines. No. Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, the yeah the claw machines. Because those have these prizes that you know are worth a lot of money, and you put coins in, and then like, the claw comes down, and it just barely touches it, but it touches it, and you're like, oh, cool, I made progress. So then you put in another coin, 20 bucks later, 30 bucks <laughs> later in some cases. You some have an people, awesome Sonic statue. You get, yeah, you get, you get something out of it. But the thing is, like, these things or any game for that matter like i played a ton of pokin over there and um i might have spent like maybe five or six bucks playing pokin tournament mm-hmm. and that's because like all the coins that you the coins you're primarily using at these arcades are 100 yen coins and they're like the size of a penny maybe a light a little bigger sure but they're 100 yen which is a dollar and we're just like 
pouring through these because they're just like little coins. But I, I know for a fact, if I was like given Busters and the Pokemon tournament machine was asking for a dollar for me, I'd probably be like, oh, that's too much. Right. But over there, it's like not even a second thought. Like, oh, just a coin. I have like a grip of these in my hand. Click, and click, that click. is why arcades in Japan are still a thing, <laughs> unlike then, in America. Yeah, and like then doing yeah, and then as you mentioned, pachinko machines, which are oh no, like, oh no, pachinko machines, though they're different. Yeah, no, pachinko um, are like strap gambling. They yeah, drop um, the ball on top. They're, no, they're, they're Matomo drop basically. <laughs> yeah, they are. And then the other thing that also really got us with the money, but we don't no regrets was the gashapon machines, gashapon, because <laughs> those are you pretty much a, you they're like the gumball machines. You put yeah. a quarter in and then you spin the thing you and then something and yeah, you get a capsule, but these cost minimum two dollars most usually three and you spin the thing and usually like they put a lot of effort into these machines like the kind of things you can get like um i don't know where it is but i got like a really cool looking pokemon badge um because there was a machine that just gave you like generation one pokemon badges and they were really shiny and like really authentic looking and i wanted either the like the fire badge or the um, the leaf badge. Well, sure. not, oh, not the leaf badge. The the rainbow badge. Because that one was like the flashiest of right, all the right. first ones. And I got the rainbow badge. So I'm like, oh, awesome. And those things, like, yeah, they cost three bucks. So three quarters in, get a thing, get a little ball capsule. And because there were so many different ones that we wanted, we, let's see, like up there we have... Um, I'll count while you talk. Hang on. How, just, just count the substitutes. Because there was a... You have five Pokemon substitute ones. Well, and those two were also from machines, so that's six, five, seven. six, seven, and, and eight, eight, nine, nine ten, ten. And to be 11, fair, those Pokemon substitutes are actually two. Well, two per thing, so. And then I always got to pin 13, 14. So at least 15 Gashapon capsules that we played with. So that's like 40 bucks, 30, 40 bucks, depending on if it was two or three bucks. Yeah, and, and once again. Or actually if, 30 or 36. If here in the U.S. using like dollars, if something was asking me to put three bucks to get one capsule, we would have been, yeah, no. But so over basically there, you're saying that Japan is the perfect, like, not scam, uh, not scam, scam is the wrong word. Mind trickery? Yeah, sure. My uh, joke didn't work because I didn't have a punchline. <laughs> well, yeah, because, like, the funny thing is, um, well, actually, not the funny thing, but whenever we're out buying food or big things, we use the bills. We have, like, $1,000 yen bill, the 10000 which is just $10 and $100, respectively. Yeah. And yeah, whenever we're going out to eat, like something usually costs like seven hundred yen or eight hundred yen. Like we ate a ton of ramen like every day, and we would always use bills for that. And all the change that would come out, we would just use towards arcades. Right. You basically considered it already spent money, so you might as well. Yeah. So like it was easier to spend bills on bigger things because you don't want to pull out like tons of dollars and like little coins. Yeah. And honestly, that's kind of what coins felt like in Japan when you're over there coins just felt like <laughs> already fodder for snacks or arcade well that's kind of like, didn't feel like they didn't really serve any other purpose I, I feel like I sort of do that here like I have a drawer on my in my desk at home that like it's just t- filled with coins because like I'll get change at like Witch Witch or Jersey Mike or one of those sandwich places and I just be like well that's money already spent so I'll just throw it in the drawer and one day I'll go get like a $200 Amazon gift card from all of them but it's just like yeah I, I kind of get the mentality and the funny thing is that now that I've actually like gone through and spent that much money on these kinds of machines when i go back to dave and busters if i see like a claw machine or something like that that's like a buck or like pretty much relatively priced the same way if not cheaper yeah i would probably now be more willing to do it because like oh wait it's just a dollar like in conditioned into doing it yeah so now like i might actually budget money aside for arcades because now right the, yeah like i mean i played like a ton of poking like my brother like elvis and another friend they were playing a lot of street fighter Did you try um Luigi's Mansion, the arcade game? Oh, yeah, we did. How was that? I'm really curious. It's really fun. It's pretty much um, Luigi's Mansion 3DS. 
Okay. Where as you're aiming your light gun, which is just the the, the poltergeist, yeah, the poltergeist thousand, yeah. um, automatically it automatically charges up the light for you. So all you have to do is just press the button again to shine the light, and then you just press the suction nozzle on the bottom to suck up the ghost, and you have to like pull in the opposite direction. So it's like a full-on fake poltergeist. Do you have a backpack and everything, or is it? Oh just no, no, it's just a nozzle. The, uh, the poltergeist is attached to the machine, so gotcha. it, it's still there, but right. it's not attached to you. And you have seeds, and you're just like playing the ghost, and you're literally playing through levels from. We just mentioned Dark Dark Moon. And I died... I tried it twice, and then um, I lost. So then I left some money with over so that he could just keep playing. Right. And I went to play a, one of the, the Taiko drum game, which, oh my god, I think gives you quite the workout and the hard difficulties. <laughs> and, Did you play at the Nintendo or Pokemon levels? And, songs? Um, oh, but oh, we couldn't find it. We were using like the... We were using the machine that was used for like tournaments or something. Uh, so we are playing the championship songs. Like, oh, what did they use for the championships? Right. And then Elvis comes out saying like, oh, he beat the game. Like he beat the entire... He beat the championship. Yeah. No, 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 no. He beat... We oh, Luigi. Our... Yeah, he beat the whole thing. And then he recorded like, I guess, the, the credits or like the end part. Oh, uh, okay, yeah. So yeah, like he beat the whole thing. Wow. Either that's a really short game or Elvis is really good. Well, it's or three both. levels, but yeah, it's it can get pretty hard. Like yeah. you have to multitask like, the ghost. Like if you're one of them is on the other side of the screen, like hitting at the screen, pretty much damaging you, while other ones on the opposite side are attacking you. Right, right. But yeah, gaming culture is just so nice over there. Like, it, and I guess um the only surprising part was as I've mentioned on Twitter that the amount of like straight up Nintendo merchandise is really hard to come by. We rare, which is shocking to me. We rarely found. Actually, we never found, like, just a Mario plush toy, a Bowser, a Peach, a Toad. The only times we ever saw anything like that was on those claw machines. Mm -hmm. And Splatoon, we were barely able to find any. And um, we picked up Jason uh, an Inkling. Which is awesome, but there It is. I was jealous. I'm like, I want it for myself, (laughs) but we have a budget. Orange Inkling for this. But they also had had a Cali. They didn't have a Marie. But they had, like, a bunch of other, like, different types of squids. So they had a bunch of colors to pick from. But they also had the soundtrack that were, they had blasting the whole time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like there was no no other Mario characters. There was a ton of Pokemon. You cannot escape Pokemon over there. Like I thought the Pokemon Center was going to be like, oh, they have Pokemon Centers. Why don't they just sell Pokemon stuff anywhere else? But nope, everywhere. Yeah, I had a feeling that'd be the case because they have like seven Pokemon Centers in that country, in all of Japan. So yeah. like if they have that many, like the Pokemon must be huge. That's cool. Their, their public transit, like their, their trains play Animal Crossing ads on them. Like, not for really? the game. They're just, like, general Wait, Animal ads. Crossing does PSAs on their trains, basically? Well, I couldn't read them, but at some point, like, Isabel was just going up to Town Hall, and then, like, the what's normally the, the dry erase board or that bulletin Yeah. like, just became a screen, and then it started just, like, having text, and then it showed jellyfish, and then it was showing, like... But it had Isabel. Huh? But it had Isabel. They had Isabel, yeah. What? I imagine that must be some sort of partnership. Uh, yeah, I, took, I took some pictures of that, but... Ah, right, it's yeah. cool. Know, so, it was, it was that's so weird about Nintendo merchandise. Like, I never would guess that America would have more Nintendo merchandise than Japan. Yeah. Like, it always feels like Or Japan maybe it would like just... This... And, and I was in Akihabara, which is supposed to be, like, the... Electric the, district. The, yeah, like, yeah. the, the Otaku Mecca. But there were, like, a tons of other stuff. Actually, I was also surprised by the lack of Dragon Ball Z stuff, because I was looking for Dragon Ball Z stuff for a friend, and I could barely find any. Or maybe I just yeah. wasn't looking in the right spot. I don't know. Did you go to that one store in Akihabara that's like three stories with just old NES games? Oh, Super Potato? We yeah. were like right next to it, but we just stayed in this other like tall building that had... That one had like, Ace Attorney stuff, Monster uh, Hunter stuff, gotcha. 
I was found a, a Sonic shirt that said, um, open your heart, and it had Sonic with oh, an electric no. guitar. Oh, no. And Did he buy it? It's, like, the best shirt ever. It looks, oh, it, that does not sound like the best shirt ever. It, 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 it looks really cool. It just has, like, Sonic, like, with his back to us, like, and he has, like, the electric guitar, which already Making it really worse. Cool. You're making it worse. How does that <laughs> I, can't, I can't, I can't. Like, honestly, like, don't... I'm just picturing, like, what was... I, I haven't seen it, but I'm just picturing it's just super Sonic. Well, for you guys, actually oh. makes sense to some of you. Like, I'm just picturing, like, you know that Three Wolves shirt from Amazon back in the day that was just, like, a ridiculously big graphic on shirt that looked like totally off. I imagine oh. it's something ridiculous and cheesy. But maybe no, it's cool. Show me after this. Maybe I mean, the words open your heart, they're kind of, like, behind the image of Sonic, so they're just, like, oh. kind of there. And okay, Sonic is just, cool. like... I just pictured it, like, circling him or something. No, it's like a target. Yeah. No, it looks, <laughs> I, don't know, I, I think the shirt looks really cool. Oh, well, cool then. And then, I don't know, we got a ton of really cool... Pokemon merchandise, obviously. We got this giant ditto. We've got this Pokemon exclusive um, Pokeball t-shirt. And then, um, I don't know, it's funny also just how fast they rotate their inventory. Like, the dittos were there one day. Then the next day, they're all gone, and they replaced them with a bunch of other giant plushies. And I don't know what their obsession is with Pokemon butts, but they have, like... Oh, it's a whole subline, yeah. Yeah, they the have, like, two... Yeah, they have, like, Pokemon butt plushies, Pokemon butt keychains. Like, yeah. But Japan likes their butts, and they cannot lie. I don't know. But it was a good trip. It was really fun. That was a Sir Mix-a-Lot reference for you youngins who may not remember that song from 1993. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else to add. But I had a question, but then the butts came up, and I forgot. Uh, <laughs> what was the question? I mean, ordering food was... Oh, Capcom. Capcom bar. Oh, that's so right. So one thing even I know about from Japan, because I want to go to the Kirby Cafe, as we mentioned earlier, is... They have video game themed restaurants, so please tell me everything about this the Capcom. Definitely the drinks was, look really cool. This Instagram. definitely was like the one thing I was looking most forward to because I mean, I was like a huge Capcom fan. We love Resident Evil, Monster Hunter, Ace Attorney, Street Fighter, you name it. Yeah, I mean the only thing the only thing on their menu that didn't really apply to us was Sengoku Bakura, like their Samurai Warriors game. Oh yeah, yeah, the one that's not even a thing anymore. But other than that, like everything like applied to us, and it was by reservation only. And we didn't have a reservation, but we were lucky enough to be allowed in with a group. And I mean, we had our own table, but like they let us in with like this other group of people that had reservations. Right. And you're in there for like I think like a little under three hours, and you get your menu. All the pages are just like they're all themed out. Like every drink is themed. Like they had like the the Malvich Edgeworth drink, the Phoenix drink, the Rathalos, the blah blah blah. Like even right. the food is themed. Like um like Ken from Street Fighter, he's like another Ryu. He's known for like doing like fiery uppercuts, like so he had spaghetti that they literally light on fire, <laughs> and that's so cool. And the, the Hadouken drink, and, and, I forget that. Oh, and the Hadouken drink, which had like ice in it, and it was blue, and it had like this electrical effect that was just like straight from the game. But like, like it's hard to describe. But I saw a picture of it when uh, either you or I was put on Instagram, and it's like the electrical effect he's talking about, like comes out of the cup. It's like. Uh, molasses or some sort of hardened sugar it looks yeah. like and it's so it's somewhat transparent and it's like green or blue or something and it comes out of the cup so it looks like there's like it looks like a hadouken's going into the cup and there's like sparks flying out it's real it, i've never seen a drink that yeah, and the staff gets really into it like when you order something like they'll act out whatever you got that drink from someone like when always got the hadouken drink they they did the whole hadouken motion 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 right and also same thing with the food like mona the one of the most like one of the more iconic things from Monster Hunter is when you're cooking meat. There's a song that plays that's supposed to tell you when you're supposed to stop cooking so that you get it just right. Uh-huh. And when you get it just right, like a random woman in the background says, "Mmm, so tasty." But and, please tell me someone popped up behind you and said that. It's a lot better than that, I guess. Okay. 
So <laughs> when someone orders anything monster hunter related, and which gets almost ordered two things, uh-huh. um, both times like the entire restaurant, like the speakers like just started blasting that music for the entire restaurant in here, <laughs> and then as soon as it finished, everyone in the restaurant like yelled out what you're supposed to, what that person said. Oh, dude, that's good. So it was like very theatrical. I was hoping it was gonna be like literally you you order it and you're at a booth and then somehow some lady comes up from behind the booth and like leans over into your oh. ear and goes mm, so tasty and just disappears. But uh, in but Japanese, obviously, yeah, in Japanese. And I mean, the walls are just lined with Capcom merchandise that you can actually like point out and get. But most of the stuff like I either had or like wasn't something I wasn't planning on getting. Right. But I don't know. It's just really cool. It's just the spectacle. And then our table, like the tables, have PS4s connected to them. So we were playing Street Fighter while we were eating. They had controllers set up and everything. It was like best experience I could imagine. That sounds super. As cool. far as like if a Capcom bar. That all sounds like you're in like a Capcom theme park. They just happen to be the size of a restaurant. Yeah. <laughs> but it sounds like a really cool trip. Like it I, it really makes fun. me very jealous. The Capcom bar was definitely one of the highlights because it was everything I wanted. We yeah. Yeah, taking on the Ace Attorney menu, the Street Fighter menu, everything. So the question becomes, when are you going back? Because it sounds like you are going to be going back. <laughs> uh, maybe next year. It might be a yearly thing. I don't know. Uh, but it could very well be a yearly thing. Right, right. It sounds super cool. Like, I've always wanted to go to I mean, Japan. there's still a lot of places that we didn't get to go to. We went to Disney Seas, which is like a, Disney, a Japan-exclusive Disneyland. Like, kind of how we have California Adventure. Yeah. They created a theme park that's themed Japan around... Themed. No, it's themed around ocean. So they oh. have different different areas that are kind of related to coastal stuff, except for Agrabah. They have a whole Agrabah section from mm-hmm. Aladdin, which looks amazing. Actually, the the way the park is designed is one of the best I've ever seen for any theme park. Like, everything just flows into each other so nicely, and all the architecture and themes, it just looks so vibrant. It's like, whoa. <laughs> it almost makes you feel like the U.S. one's kind of like... Suck. Not suck, but they, they like... Japan went the extra mile with this right, one. Right, right. Like, there's, like, a Little Mermaid land that looks amazing. There's, like, a volcano land. There's, like, one place that looks like Italy. It just looks really cool. And then there's, like, that volcano. Like, it just looks so, so cool. The rides are as good as California Adventures. Like, they're sure. they're just, like, slow or whatever. But it's more about the experience, it sounds yeah, like. Yeah, and it's just really cool. It's just a really nice park. And, I mean, we were obviously going to go there instead of tokyo disney because that's literally just disneyland right i mean i think yeah I, I at first i thought you guys were doing tokyo disney i'm like but that's disneyland but this makes much more sense yeah, yeah. and i mean not only that but um it was just nice to have that experience again of going to a theme park you've never been to before because honestly oh, yeah. like most of us i feel have been gone to one since we were kids well let, let's back up i mean like we're I, spoiled because we live in california so we're used to having theme parks all around most of us in listeners, california like i mean yeah i feel like, like a lot of listeners have been to very few like many. i got like i got to go to universal disney like pretty much all those theme parks around here like not yeah. like, like as a kid so i haven't had a that feeling of going somewhere new. And being like, whoa. Yeah, like, as far back as I can remember. So it was definitely like, like, whoa. Like, this is, right. this is like, just having that feeling again probably made the park feel even more amazing than it maybe really was. But just the fact that it gave us that was really cool. Yeah, no, that's cool. That's cool. I am very jealous. Yeah. Next time you go, you need to go to Kyoto because you need to go, that's Nintendo City. Mm. Like, they own the city. No, they, they're headquartered <laughs> there and, like, the, um, well, maybe it's that's a lot of ancient Japan. That's maybe there. that's where the Nintendo merchandise is. <laughs> it's all just there. Yeah. There's just one guy hoarding it in one <laughs> store. But it sounds like a really fun trip. Yeah. It was really fun. Definitely will go again. And Gaming would recommend. Mecca. Wasn't even that expensive. We only spent like 
I mean, for we were there for a week, and it was only like a thousand sixteen for flight and hotel. So how it, did you get that deal? That's so cheap. So if we were to extrapolate that, it might have been even cheaper. It could have been like fifteen hundred for the two weeks or something like that. How? Where did that deal come from? Six months ahead through Expedia. Oh, interesting. But but you guys did have to stay late over in Taiwan for twelve hours each way. Right? That was just like an unfortunate yeah. situation because originally our flight was supposed to leave on Tuesday. With minimal layover, but I guess something happened and we ended up having to be in Taiwan for 12 hours. The real way to go is direct, but that costs a lot more. Oh, You're yeah. not going to get $1,500. Oh, yeah, definitely, yeah. 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 That's why you have to increase the vacation time by a lot more so that the... It makes up the difference, yeah. 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 That sounds really fun. But, that definitely but, trumps anything we've ever been playing on this episode, being like, oh, well, I went to Japan, and look at all these things I did. <laughs> yeah, that. Very cool. Um, so one guy playing Smash Bros. on the train, but I did not have my 3Ds at the time. Were you going to challenge him? I w- if I had it, yes, definitely. Why wouldn't I? Well, if he had to get, get off at the next stop and you had like four more stops. Well, then we would have to stop the fight there. That makes sense. That makes sense. Hmm. Logical. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess if there's anything else about Japan, I might do it for this mm-hmm. episode. No, I guess that's it. Um, all right. So that just about does I it. I mean, I guess if you want to see some pictures, just go to my Twitter. Oh, yeah. Go to that is Wero, W-E-R-R. W-E-I-R-O underscore O to see those pictures in pan. Also, if you haven't seen it yet, at roundtown.com we do have our gallery up from Comic-Con, which was a couple weeks ago, obviously. But um, that's now that's been live for a little bit now. And if you haven't checked it out, it's called Snapshots of Comic-Con 2016. And you can find it directly next to this episode on the homepage. Um, and since, since we're speaking of Twitter, I don't have pictures in Japan, but you can, follow, you can look at his pictures or you can follow my lack of pictures as well. I'm not going to let you be the only one with a Twitter shout-out at uh, JSR7. That's mine. But more of the point, we are going to be back in two weeks' time on August 21st with our next episode. Um, I imagine there won't be as many changes to discuss then as there were now, but who knows? And we may, next episode, have those Monster Hunter Generations impressions if Angel has time to play it. Um, We also will have whatever news maybe coming out of Gamescom, which is like the European E3, but public. That is happening between now and the next episode. We'll definitely cover that if Nintendo were to announce anything. They will be there. They will have Zelda playable, so there's potential for something to happen, but we shall see. Uh, To make sure you don't miss it, you guys, as always, follow us on Twitter at RoundNintendo. Subscribe to us on your podcast app of choice. If you like this episode or any of the shows, really, uh, it'd be great if you guys could leave us a review. That would actually help us out a lot, and we'd appreciate it. And I think that pretty much does it. So, yeah, we'll be back August 21st, and... um, Go try Blast Ball, because it's free and you really have no excuse not to.